Oh my Perhaps let me be the first to say it, implementing tonight and in this bill at least a dystopian society. Somebody will call it totalitarian, though I don't think that's quite fair, but it is at least dystopian. It is implementing a command society under the imperative of saving hundreds of thousands of lives and millions of jobs, and it is worth doing. And by God, I do hope that the Prime Minister has a clear conscience tonight and sleeps with a good heart, because he deserves to do so. Because libertarian though I may be, this is the right thing to do. But my goodness, we ought not to allow this situation to endure one moment longer than is absolutely necessary to save lives and preserve jobs. So that's why I have said that I, while I welcome new Clause 19 to give us a six-month review, I would very much urge upon my honourable and right honourable friends and the Prime Minister, sunsetting this Act, as it will become, no doubt, at one year, because there is time to bring forward further primary legislation. If it comes to late autumn and we can see, and God help us if it's true, because I fear for the economy and the currency, but if come the autumn it's clear that this epidemic, this pandemic continues, then there certainly is time to bring forward further primary legislation to properly scrutinise the provisions of carrying forward this enormous range of powers. I mean, every time I dip, dip into it, I find some objectionable power. It, it, there's not enough time to do it. But I've done it there. I can glance at it and see objectionable powers. There would be time to have several days of scrutiny with a proper piece of legislation easily in time for March, April 2021. And I just implore to my right honourable friend, I, for goodness sake, let us not allow this dystopia to endure one moment longer than strictly necessary. Roshan Ali. Hi everyone, Roshan here. You've just listened to a recording of an MP in the UK um, talking about um, a bill passed by Parliament. And I just thought it was quite interesting and it kind of captured the seriousness or gravitas of the situation that we're in where it's very complicated that measures need to be taken, people need to be protected, but we as a society and as a people should be very cautious and careful in everything that we are, we are doing. Um, so, I, I had a very interesting conversation with our guest for today. It was, I think, a very productive conversation. It was two people kind of trying to find the truth. What I want to say about this episode, though, is that we are not uh, virologists, epidemiologists, um, immunologists. We are not scientists or even doctors. And everything said is based on opinions and basic reading. So I would invite everyone uh, to do their own reading and to form their own opinions uh, uh, carefully uh, and diligently as well. It's, it's just such an important thing. We're living in such a weird time. Um, so I'm not going to do a fact-check for this episode because we were trying to fact-check as best as we could throughout the episode. Uh, and I'm just trying to push the responsibility to you. Uh, I hope all of you are staying safe, uh, staying healthy, staying good. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah. Thanks, everyone.
and it's your boy Roshan Gomez with me a special guest, Mr. Alif Malik. <laughs> Welcome to Rumor Roy, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks over. for thanks for coming on. Appreciate it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about a very <laughs> interesting topic today. So, happy to share. Yeah, I, I, I think to like set this up properly, mm. uh, maybe I can explain to everyone who you are. Right. Okay, first and foremost, you're my friend. Alright. <laughs> uh, people are going to be like, why are they laughing so much? <laughs> All will be clear soon. <laughs> you know, I've known you for the longest time. Yeah. Uh, how long have we known each other now? Uh, easily? Since Form 1, lah, can that's what fit. Uh, we were we were twelve, lah. We were twelve. Now it's twenty. We're twenty eight. So, so it's about sixteen years. Sixteen years we've known each other, mm-hmm. um, and we were in different classes, mm-hmm. but we ran in the same like extracurricular yep. uh, activities. Yep. Uh, when I was talking to Lukman and Natasha, who are our juniors, mm-hmm. they described our batch as like being really intelligent and being really gung ho, <laughs> and really like you know they were talking about <laughs> performances that we organized. And, <laughs> I was like, I, I told them like, yeah, we were really goody two shoes. Yeah, dude, we were, I was a square, bro. Yeah, I'm square, me as well. We and we bro. were two squares uh, <laughs> colliding, colliding all the time. Bro. <laughs> we, we always seem to be on opposite sides, <laughs> which is quite interesting, bro. Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were just, I think, mm. we were just a bit too into our own selves. Yeah. Like we thought that what we were doing was the most important the, thing in yeah. the world. You know, only after you leave it and you're like, oh man, you were such kids. Nah. You're so <laughs> stupid. What the heck, man? Yeah, so we competed for a lot of like uh, positions, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we had very different, I, I think, um, approaches to leadership as well. Yes. I remember yeah. that. Yep, yep. Definitely. But after high school, you've generally been in touch, stayed close with our BSD gang, mm-hmm. Bandasri Damansara gang. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's the first thing, my friend. Uh, you don't like the label conspiracies. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just painted off earlier. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Why don't you like the, 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 the label of conspiracies? What do you think is a better way to describe the way you view the world? Okay. So, to, for, for me, the word conspiracies, as I mentioned to you, it's used as a negative labeling. Mm. Basically, to um, discredit whatever the person uh, is about to say even without listening to his arguments. So, Interestingly, the the word conspiracy is, is apparently is coined by the CIA. Okay, right. It's used to discredit people who basically speak out against the narrative. Um, I think I don't think it's a conspiracy to basically say that you know in in this world, there are people are motivated by all kinds of financial interests and interest to gain power and interest to control that they would collude either implicitly or or tacitly or or outrightly. Sure, you know, um, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, and I we were talking off air and I said to you, I get it lah, you know. Mm. It is a very convenient way to sort of uh, get out of engaging with the arguments, right? Yep. You just paint someone a particular label and we see it a lot with a liberal type of politics. So if a man, is, if it's a man and if he's white, mm. then instead of engaging the arguments, you just say, oh yeah, you're a, a white male, right? <laughs> and straight away, the arguments don't matter because what is paramount is your identity or your status. Yep. Immediately, the white man has to defend his position of alleged uh, white privilege, mm. right? Immediately has to defend, um, you know, uh, uh, him being part of the of the patriarchy or whatever that is associated with being a white man, being an imperialist or being colonialist, mm. right? Uh, so, so instead of, uh, you know, having to deal with the arguments, he immediately has to basically defend his character, right? Mm. So, I think that's a, not a very helpful term to start any discussion with lah. Okay, so I won't call you a conspiracist. Then what <laughs> I will call you is you've been uh, someone who's been very suspicious. Very critical as well. Yep. Very critical of… The uh, narrative that was sold on the, on, the, on the TV by 
by our governments as well, by the media. In respect of COVID, yes. the lockdown and all the measures involved. Lah, yep. Right? All the measures that have been taken, uh, they have been uh, enforced in the name of coronavirus, right? In yeah. the name of this virus that's allegedly super deadly and, you know, it warrants its closing down on economies and destroying businesses and, and economic livelihoods and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. And what had happened was we are in WhatsApp groups together and we had a lot of clashes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and we had… A, the funny thing about yeah. us having clashes is because in a lot of areas, I agree with you. That's mm. the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I do agree with a lot of things you were saying. Mm. But then I guess for me, what was frustrating was I felt like you already had come to a conclusion and I didn't feel the conversations were bona fide. Yeah. Right? And so I felt frustrated because it, it felt like… <laughs> it felt like… There was no point to the conversation. Bro, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> so you see. <laughs> yeah. Okay, in what way? What, what do you mean? Okay, so… Okay, so first and foremost, we have… I think the, the root or the problem here is mm. there's no consensus on what the facts are. Okay. Right? So we're pummeling each other with arguments yeah. based on different facts that are not agreed on. Tau. Correct. So that's why we, we get into a situation whereby macam… Whatever you say doesn't make sense to me and whatever I say doesn't make sense to you because we're not operating on the same set of facts. Sure, sure, sure. Right? So I think before we talk about… Uh, obviously, like it's great to know that you you disagree with a lot of the measures being taken, right? Yeah. I, I imagine that's the case, right? Because any any reasonable person can see that what's been happening is, is excessive, mm -hmm. right? It's mm -hmm. absolutely excessive. Mm -hmm. Like, remember that news of um, this girlfriend who was sending the boyfriend some birthday cake and all mm. that stuff, right? This mm. is what's going on, right? Mm -mm. So, yeah, I, I, I assume that you agree with me on that. But what we don't probably don't agree on is on the set of facts mm. surrounding uh, the story of COVID that we've been told so far. Lah. Okay, mm. well, yeah. So, where I can agree with you is I think we need to have or be able to have a discussion mm. on the measures taken in terms of reacting to uh, COVID. Yes. But the first thing is, I think before that, we would have to talk about whether COVID is legit or not. Yes. Okay. Thanks, yeah. Okay. But okay, even before that, lah, dude, maybe you can we can start off by with this lah mm. in this way. How are you doing? How has this whole thing impacted you personally as an individual? That's a that's a great question, man. Mm. Because I think we've all had uh, pretty much different experiences in, in managing this whole thing. Mm. But um to be to be perfectly honest, dude, like when I when I step back and look at the whole situation, I'm pretty much blessed. Mm. I haven't lost my job. Right, I still get to draw my salary every month, right? Um, I'm relatively insulated from the from the from the measures being taken against against the whole corona thing, right? Mm. So I've been pretty much blessed. So and and I think a lot of us in our circles are in the same way. We're middle class, upper middle class, perhaps. Mm. Uh, no, we belong to the professional managerial class, and that's how we're insulated from the effects of the COVID. So, um, but if you really look at what's been happening and it's, it's really sad and it's really it's really I mean to me it makes me angry to, to see what's been happening to the to the average person right so you hear I mean during the lockdown we heard stories we heard we heard reports of people going to the pajak going to the pawn shops to pawn off their gold and everything because they don't have enough money to eat bro yeah yeah because like to go out and work and open up your stalls was made illegal for what two months three months mm mm, -mm. I was pretty extreme. So, but to answer your question, like um, my personal experience, I think <laughs> I can use the, I can use the, I can use um, this analogy of waking up. La. I think this year was the year that I really, really woke up 
from the quote-unquote the matrix that we've been living in. <laughs> red pill lah, your red pill yeah, moment. I feel like it was a complete red pill moment for me. And um, I think, uh, you know, at the end of the year, you know, I think we'll all have assessments on how 2020 has been. And I think a lot of people will say very negative things about 2020, which is definitely true. But for me personally, personally, I think that it's been quite positive for me mm. because a lot of the illusions that I labored under were, were fell away, I, I feel. Think. Twenty twenty has been a crazy year, it's man. It's been mad, bro. It's been absolutely insane, bro. I was just thinking about the Lebanon uh, the explosion. Yeah, explosion yeah. Um, that happened in August, you know. Yeah. It happened in August. And the wildfires in Australia. Yeah. Right. No, but even the Lebanon thing, right? Mm. It happened in August. Mm. What was it? It was like I think three hundred, four hundred people died. I think five hundred, six hundred thousand people were left homeless. Yep. You know, like how many billions of uh, dollars yep. of damage? Yep. But I've almost forgot about it. You know, I yeah. that's how ri- ridiculous this year has yep. been. I almost forgot about that happening. Yep. It's just insane. Because the, the 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 narrative, the focus has always been on COVID, Corona, COVID, yeah. vaccine, mm. right? Um, lockdown measures, you know, uh, your Karens, your anti-lockdowns, right? Your, your anti-vaxxers. The, the focus has always been on that particular topic, right? Mm. Every day we're counting up case numbers and death statistics we've never done this or any other disease or viruses or whatever in, in, in the world. Mm. Like, if I was looking at, if let's say if I have a counter, right, counting the number of kids who go missing every day, we're all going to get alarmed, for sure. No, but I'm sure we do have, to be fair, I'm sure we do have yeah, a we don't, of people. Yeah, but we don't, we don't blast it on the, on the media 24-7, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, same, the same goes, like, if I show you the death rates for like, perhaps I, accidents. Or, I, I remember yeah. when um, the, a few uh, I think it was last year, remember that white girl, the, the young girl got uh, yeah, kidnapped yeah. and murdered or something yep. like that? Then, uh, I think there were articles that came out that were talking about apparently the number of kids, that the number of kids that, that, that go missing, missing in Malaysia. Yep. And it's like an insane, Mount, yeah. ridiculous number. I'll yep. just try and pull that up. So yeah, you were saying uh, about accidents. Yeah, so like, I mean, it's, it all has to do, I, I like this, this, um, there's this statement I saw. It says media perception skews, uh, media media attention skews perception. Like you mentioned it yourself, like in Lebanon, there was an explosion. It killed 200 people, left a lot of people uh, homeless and all that stuff, right? Mm. But we don't, we don't naturally think about what's been happening, let's say in Yemen mm. or in Syria, right? Where people are being, uh, people have been bombed and their, their lives have been destroyed. We have, uh, probably the death count is way higher in those areas. But we, we somehow, we don't feel, we don't feel the shock. Because it's been normalized, we accept it. That, oh, it's war. It's part of it's part of life, mm-hmm. right? But when in fact it's it's kind of the more obscene thing, mm. right? Because I'm not I'm not too sure about what the facts were surrounding the Lebanon explosion. Mm. But was it due to an accident? Yeah, right? yeah it, it was, was due to an accident, accident, right? So it was due to an accident. But if you look at like for example in in Palestine or Yemen or Syria, this this is this this is the result of governments yeah. right making policies to drop bombs on people. So I think that's even more obscene yeah. and more more shocking but somehow rather that doesn't get the attention that that it should get you know for various various reasons I have my laptop with me today mm. Alif has a special privilege <laughs> <laughs> I decided to keep my laptop with me just so that I can fact check as we go along so sure. I just pulled up that that article and it says basically the star reported in 2019 mm. four children go missing every day in Malaysia yeah so isn't mm. that an alarming thing Mm-mm-mm. that you no know, sh- you know it, it's 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 absolutely if you look at what's been happening and like, let's just put it this way, COVID or coronavirus isn't the only problem that we face in, in, in 2020, right? Or, and neither is it, to me, neither it is the most 
pressing or the most dangerous or the most uh, alarming problem that we face, mm. right? Well, okay, I, mm. I, I what okay, this is what I would say. But for, I, okay, but even before that, I, I have to say I, I cannot discount how much the measures to curb COVID has affected everybody. Like it's for been sure. mad. Even for me, right? Mm. I have, I when I was in high school, I used to learn drums, but was, I never continued. Like, <laughs> okay. right? I went for like maybe six, seven months, mm. and to to date, I can't play lah. Like. Mm. But um, <laughs> the guy that used to teach me mm. was a very, very nice guy, mm. v- very cool looking. Which dude. school? Uh, I was an like Asian drum, uh, Asian. I can't remember the name of the school, but they have like a uh, Asian per- percussion unit that's quite well. In BSD, ke, kat luar, kat no, it's in PJ area. PJ, uh. right. So very young guy, very very nice. Very, is one of those people like they, you can tell that they are very cool, but they don't know they are cool kind of. Yeah, you know, white <laughs> blah, right? Yeah. And uh, I just found out well during over the MCO, he mm. became a pilot, and he committed oh, suicide. He committed. Oh my yeah, God. he jumped off uh, the top floor of his apartment, uh, because he got laid off. Apparently, he was not even that like financially uh, well doing. Off, yeah. he, no, he wasn't like financially going to go bankrupt or he, you know he wasn't doing badly right but it just uh, he just wrecked him emotionally that, yeah. yeah that's so, pretty sad man so definitely cannot uh, discount uh, the experience la. yeah I mean like um, if you look at apparently like the, the, the deaths for suicides have gone up as well the, mm. due to due to the uh, measures being taken for to prevent this whole pandemic thing right so there's also another discussion that I still often get sidelined what are the what are the costs of us doing all of this, right? To me, the, the proposed cure has been much more harmful than the apparent disease or the apparent problem that we're trying to fix. Okay, but mm. here's where I'll, I'll push back. I'll yeah, push back sure. in the sense that I would say that um, because you said like, it's not proportionate when we to focus on COVID when we have so many other things mm. um, going on. So many other things that we're not paying attention to. Mm. But the thing is, if you look at the the infection rate, yep, and if you look at the fatality, even though it's low, yep, it is definitely something. I would say even something more to be something to be worried about, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I totally get your point. Yeah, this is basically what when whenever those of us who are against the lockdown, against these measures, right, and even some of us, I mean, I, to to be you know who are very skeptical of the whole coronavirus thing, to say the least, mm. this is the first. Obviously, the first um, pushback that we that we get when we when we try to say what what we believe to be right. So, you know, look at the numbers. Like, you, like rightly you said, look at the numbers. Look at the number of cases. Look at the number of people who have died, right? But this is the problem. The problem is we're not putting it into context, right? So, this is what I say. So, let's establish some of the facts, right? So, um, how, what what, are, what is the current death rate for 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 coronavirus? Is it about five hundred thousand, seven hundred worldwide or worldwide? Worldwide, it's 1.34 million. Okay, 1.34 million, right? Mm. So, okay, so, total cases 55.6 million, mm. recovered 35.8 million. Yep. That's 1.34. 1.34 million, mm. right? Okay, so that's a big number, man. That, that is a big number, but again, perspective and context, right? So, I'm, I'm sure that none of, even I didn't know this like before, before 2020, but do we know that actually every year in excess of 500 to 800,000 people die from the seasonal flu every year? Mm. That's a fact of life. 500 to 700,000 people will die of seasonal flu every year, the seasonal influenza. But that has never been a, a reason for us to lock down entire economies and, and do all this to me or has been insane measures to, to stop this apparent uh, pandemic, right? So, 
Um, but the influence. Put it, put it, yeah, but I would, let me just be finished. Like, mm. you put it into perspective, right? 500 to 700,000 people who die every year due to uh, influenza. It is a big number. Mm. But what is that compared to 7.2 billion people globally? Mm. Mm. Right? So people die of all kinds of, of causes, all kinds of um, uh, diseases, illnesses, and happenings, right? But, you know, we don't, we, don't, we don't get alarmed by it because at some level we accept that that's a fact of life. Mm. Right, so um, yeah, but let's let's talk about the let's talk about the facts, right? The, the what what has been presented to us, presented to us as facts. Okay, right. So um, first and foremost, let's talk about um, how deadly is this virus? Okay, I think that's a, that's a the first question that you probably should tackle, right? Okay, right. So the idea goes that because this virus is so deadly, right? It's so contagious, it's so harmful to us that we need to lock down our entire countries, entire economies, right? Um, contact trace our, our, our citizens, which to me, I just read it as surveillance and tracking, mm. right? Um, and that, you know, we need to resort to measures which I would flatly call out fascist, fascist measures, right? How we use our cops and military against our citizens for, you know, going to the market or, you know, for, for living out their lives, doing basic things that, you know, any human is expected to do. Um, and enforcing all kinds of, all kinds of downright crazy regulations to me. So, the idea is that this virus is so deadly that we need to do all that. It justifies us doing all that. Mm-hmm. So, it's an ends versus means argument, right? So, it seems to be the argument is because we need to prevent all these deaths, right? Um, so, we need to institute all of these measures so that we can save this so-and-so number of lives, Right? So that is the reality that has been presented to us. Now, my first question is, how deadly is this virus? It's not very deadly. It's what, 1% of uh, all it is, ends in fatality. It is less than 1%. So these are numbers given by CDC itself, right? So you can look at the numbers given by CDC itself. So even if you look at, if to make the discussion easier, we can just look at Malaysia itself. Okay? Total mm. number of cases, right? So all you need to do is divide this is count the number of deaths divided by the total number of positive cases and you get the fatality rate, right? Mm-hmm. It's anywhere between 0.5 to 0.7%. And if you look at other countries as well, it's the same. Mm. Now, when you want to estimate how deadly this virus is, right? How deadly any disease is, how deadly any happening or any, any, any situation is, you need to look at the mortality rate, right? The mortality rate is a percentage, yeah. right? So... My, then my next question is, if we know that the mortality rate is anywhere between 0.5% to 1%, yeah. right? And this is excluding the fact that uh, the numbers are only taking into account um, positive cases, yeah? So, if we remember five, six months ago in the media, they were talking about how, oh, you know, uh, COVID is actually even more dangerous than we thought it was because these are only the positive cases. We don't get to record the cases that are… Um, Recoveries. No, the cases that are people who actually have it but are not tested, so we don't know. Okay. So, so we estimate the number of positive cases to be higher. Mm-hmm. This is the narrative that we're sold, right? So we haven't tested everyone yet, so we don't know whether the extent of the, of the spread, the extent of the contagion. So we estimate that actually the number of positive cases is higher. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but if, if you factor into, into that consideration, into that narrative, then it means that the death rate plummets even further. Mm-hmm. because then you'll be dividing the number of deaths against the total number of positive cases plus the total number of cases that we think are there but we have just haven't found yet. 
So it means that as a percentage, the death rate is anywhere between 0.5% or 0.7%, less than 1%, approaching zero. Yeah. Right? Because you're inflating the number of cases. Right? So that argument actually goes against the, the narrative that COVID is dangerous because it just shows that on a larger scale, the death rate plummets. Okay, I'm not a immunologist, virologist, or epidemiologist. Neither am I. <laughs> yeah. Just putting it out there. So whatever said here, of course, there's a you know yeah. But I, from what I understand, mm. because I did do some reading beforehand to try and prepare myself for this conversation. Sure. Um, is that when we look at a disease uh, or a viral infection, mm. you don't only look at fatality. You also look at the rate of infection, the rate right? of infection, R not, and all that stuff. Yeah. Right? So it's both of these of two things that you have to look at. Okay. So. And then there's also the um, uh, what's the word for it? Um, the potential growth, right? So, okay. um, for example, now we have 1.34 million deaths. Yeah. Okay. So then you said, oh, but common flu has one percent of deaths anyway. Mm. But the point is with the rate of transmission and yep. so this is what I would say. In the beginning, when we had the lockdown, yep. I actually think it's justified. Yeah. I think it's justified because we didn't have enough information at the time. Yep. Okay. Now, at this stage, when we have more information, I don't think a lockdown is justified per se. Mm. Right? But I still believe in measures because there's an exponential, that's the word, exponential growth. Yeah. So, what, what you're saying is it's 1.34 million deaths now mm. at the rate at how it's transmitting, which is extremely high, which makes it very much different from the common flu. Yep. The numbers are just going to go up, 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 up. Now, okay. let's say uh, we take, we, let's say we just take, right, Malaysia. Mm. Malaysia has a population of about 35 million. Mm. Okay, let's say we take 20 million. Mm. Uh, and let's say out of 20, and so I'm take, let's take a situation where we don't put in any measures whatsoever, yep. no lockdown. Yep. So let's say 20, people, 20 million people got COVID mm. because it is highly infectious, right? Mm. 1% of 20 million. How much is 1% of 20 million? Uh, I don't want to do the math. <laughs> but no, I, but I get your point. The idea is that the numbers uh, are going to climb, right? Is that and, what and not only that, like 1% of, how much is? <laughs> let me, let me just, I'm a lawyer, man. I can't. <laughs> Dude, I study economics. I have a degree in economics, but I don't oh, yeah. even want to. I don't even want to compute it, bro. Wait, this is. Uh, let me just do a quick. That's two hundred thousand people, sure. right? One sure. percent of uh, twenty million. Sure. So, two hundred thousand people in our and these are fatalities. Uh, yep. we're, we're not talking about sure the the ones who are severely sure. affected. 200,000 people, will our healthcare be able to, would, would our public services be able to manage that? Dude, that's a great question, mm. right? What you're saying now is exactly the arguments that the media and governments and most people that I talk to use when they say, hey, we need to have measures because projections. So what you're doing now, mm. you're projecting, right? Yeah. So what you're doing now, right, has actually been, been done by the CDC by the centers, uh, by I'm not sure what the CDC equivalent is in the UK. So they came up with this modeling, right? Projected deaths, yep. right? So before they, I think during or before, I'm not sure, but throughout the lockdown or, or in the early periods of the lockdown, um, for them to justify it, they said, hey, look at my competitive model. Yeah. Without, so, so, but here, Alif, this hmm. is the difference I think between you and me. I see it as what all these groups using sort of, I would say, reasonable, yep. rational, uh, tools tools to yep. figure out what's going to happen. Yep. And because of that, it might be wrong. Yep. But because of that, I doubt that it's nefarious. But I okay. feel like with you, you feel that, that okay. you think that this is a, there's a nefarious plot here. Yeah, definitely. To me, there's, I, I, I feel that there's a nefarious plot to it, but I will explain myself there. Okay. So now, 
what I'm about to tell you is this, right? So they're using these tools, mod, uh, modeling tools that we, we that we previously you said are rational tools to find out what is the truth of the matter and how to investigate and how to go further, right? But point is, Rushin, these projections have been proven to be completely false. Mm. They have been proven to be completely false. Mm. For example, in the in, in, in the US, I think I'm not sure if it is if it was the US and the UK, they were projecting deaths up to two million, three million. That number hasn't hasn't come. Right? The actual deaths are magnitudes of orders of magnitudes lower than, than what the projected deaths were. Yeah. So it means that their modeling was wrong. Yeah. But yep. but still you would have to take me further to prove to me that it was nefarious. Lah. Okay, so the nefarious bit, I'll, I'll leave it that for okay, later. So okay, I want okay. sure, 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 us sure. to Just talk about the facts. Yes, okay, I just want okay, us okay. to talk about the facts because to some to some extent, when we want to talk about nefarious, it becomes of a… In, more intangible. More, more, of, more of he said, she said okay, kind of situation. Okay. So, okay, let's, let's try to do that for later. But let's establish the facts first, right? So what we know is that the projected deaths have been far off, right? So… Um, what are the deaths in Malaysia? I think about 366 total deaths for COVID. 332. Okay, 332. So now… Um, we had uh, 53,679 cases so far to date. Yep. 40,493 40, have recovered and we have 332 deaths. Okay. Mm. So now, the first thing that I want to talk about is proportionality, right? So we say there are 362 deaths from COVID since March. Mm -hmm. Since March up till now, there are 362 deaths. And so even if that's 0.7% of the actual total number of cases, that's alarming. Okay. To me, 0.7%, for me, what I don't understand is what I, for me, I, that I cannot wrap my head around is the fact that we are, the governments, the media and talking heads, we are still asserting that the virus is deadly, even though the mortality rate shows a uh, a percentage less than 1%. Yeah. Like, no, but I think the, I think the reason why they're saying that is because even though the fatality rate is 1%, but because of the… contagious, right? Because of the contagion aspect yeah. and because of the exponential growth, if it's not controlled, it even 1% of the whole world understood. is a lot of people. Yes. A so, lot of people. Understood. Yeah. Agreed with that. So now mm. we have to talk about a separate issue. Mm. So, right. Okay, so we've agreed that… First, we've agreed that it's not… It's not Super deadly. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's okay. less than one percent. Definitely, I can agree with you. Right? I can agree with you. And in yeah. the beginning, people were, were were freaking out because they thought that you know people are just gonna die left, right, and center. So right. when like uh, what's his name, um, Idris Alba got you know got uh, COVID, or when uh, what's that uh, Forrest Gump guy, Tom uh, Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks, when Tom Hanks got COVID, <laughs> everyone was like, oh, pray for him. Yeah. You know, like basically thinking yep. that he was gonna die, right? Yep. Yep. That that was the vibe, but. It, but to be fair, it was the information was so scattered at the yeah, time. Yeah, and, and what I would add to that is I, I don't want us to, to push, push this aside. Like the media was pushing this gleefully to me. Mm. They were pushing this narrative of fear or be scared, you know. They would they were ramping it up every sure. day. I, like, I, and I can get that because me, yeah. it sells lah. It, it, defi it definitely sells, right? Sure, sure, so sure. I think they are one of to me, the media is the biggest virus on the planet, right? <laughs> because like they've just pushed this narrative of fear and 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 just but it's, what, me, we like to, it's what we like to consume at the same time though. To they, be fair. No, they know they know what is it that triggers us, right? Because, mm. you know, they probably have behavioral scientists helping them out to, to come up with all these, all of their, all of, how they trigger us, right? Like we respond to, they, they try to, to, to hit our amygdala. We respond to fear and anger. So like, if you look at whatever that's being pushed out in the media right now, most of the time you take a step back, 
there are only two emotions they are trying to elicit from us, which is anger and fear. Because when we're angry and we're fearful, our fight or flight response kicks in and we stop thinking. We become reactive. We la. become reactive, become scared. We stop thinking. And when we stop thinking, right, whatever authority tells us to do, we will do because we're scared. Mm. But okay, let's do backtrack. Backtrack to where this discussion was, which, sure. which was how infectious is it? Mm. Right? How infectious is it? <clears throat> so now, um, now, obviously, I'm also not a statistician, yeah. but I did a little bit of statistics yeah. back in university. Right? So I cannot claim, obviously, cannot claim to be a... To be an expert or at all, but I have some basic understanding of statistics, right? So, how do we determine how infectious is the disease, mm-hmm. right? So, if previously we were talking about how how dangerous it is, we're looking at mortality rate, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That seems to be an unbiased and objective way to look at it numerically, right? So, how do we determine um, how infectious it is, right? Obviously, I'm also not a virologist or epidemiologist, so I wouldn't know. But a basic way to look at me to look at it for me would be look at the number of cases, all right, and look at the rate of positive and rate of negative. There's mm-hmm. a very crude way of estimating the level of yeah. how contag- contagious it is. And to complicate matters, uh, the testing is uh, haphazard. Oh man, the, don't, okay. that's another aspect that I want to attack. Sure. The PCR test, right? Yeah, we can, I can agree with you. On this, I can agree with you. Right. So, I'm going to go even further. Like PCR test, right? Okay, so, when I have this conversation with the average person, they I'm getting this, I will get the same responses as you're giving me, right? Okay. Um, saying, oh, it's, it's infectious. So many people have tested positive. Millions and millions of people have been tested positive. This is something that should, we, should be, we should be alarmed, yeah. right? Because how many million? 50 million plus people worldwide have been tested positive. There, sh- there definitely is a problem. How can you deny that, that there's no problem? How can you say that it's a, it's a plot or it's a scam or it's not real, right? Mm-hmm. So I get that. That is a very, that's a very rational way to respond re- uh, given the facts that, that you've been told. Mm-hmm. Now, the next question I would say is, how reliable are the tests, yeah. the RT-PCR tests? So, I have researched this exen- extensively and there are people who have researched this even deeper than I have. So, for the purposes of your listeners, I would like to um, uh, pluck up some names. Um, no, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, mm. right? So, you should go on London Real and check out his interview with Brian Rose, mm-hmm. Dr. Andrew Kaufman. He basically talks about how the testing goes and everything. He's basically looked at the numbers. He's a doctor himself, right? Sure. So another thing, just to segue, this idea that, um, because I hear it a lot on social media, I see it a lot on social media, they say, oh, follow the scientists. Listen to the science, yeah. right? As if everyone who's against the lockdown and, and against these mandatory vaccinations are anti-science. That seems to be the, 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 the labeling or the, or the way that they shut down the bit, right? Listen to the science, follow the scientists, right? If you're anti-lockdown, if you're, if you're this, you must be a Trump supporter who's anti-science. Yeah, yeah. There is that, a talking down which is very uh, yeah. annoying. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. So, but, like, apart from, uh, but more than that, it's not just annoying, but it's very dangerous because you are operating on assumption that all the scientists and doctors agree on this. They don't. Yeah. There are so many doctors and experts and virologists who disagree with it they just don't see the light of day in the media. Yeah. Like for example, I sent uh, in the group, uh, I think it was yesterday, basically the video that I sent was basically uh, this guy who apparently is a doctor. He's the chairman of some company that uh, basically in charge of the RT-PCR testing. Basically in the video, he was calling out, he was calling out the PCR test to be completely bogus. Right? So, from what I've researched, the RT-PCR test, right? Oh, this, is not the, this is not the vaccine should be avoided at all costs, right? Uh, no, that's another one. No, uh, I think it was something that was, it was just a video, like what, three, yeah. four minutes? Okay, I, I, yeah. let me just respond. Uh, yeah. Two things. Yeah. One, 
um, I've done some reading about this as well. Sure. And what I, from my reading, what I can sure. see is that uh, antigen tests, the um, accuracy is quite low, I would say. It's mm. almost like 50%, okay. which is extremely low. And that's why even with Elon Musk, for example, I think there was that incident where he, he did… He called it out. He did two, four tests and two came out positive, two came out negative. Yep. But he did antigen tests. The PCR tests are more uh, accurate, but also about only 70%. Mm. So definitely there is uh, problems with the testing. Yep. It's definitely not 100% or even 90% or even 80%. Yep. But that being said, uh, just because the testing doesn't work, it could also go to adverse. There could be more cases that are positive we don't know about. But never mind, that's a, uh, one thing aside. Yep. Second to that though, I have to say that there are a lot of, there is a scientific consensus at the very least that COVID is something we should be worried about. For example, I've read uh, like immunologists and epidemiologists from like Oxford, Cambridge, and you'll be surprised, uh, dude. You will agree with a lot of what they're saying. Like their tone is, um, this is, people need to calm down. Hmm. It's not as crazy, uh, you know, we're not going to- the media sells it. Yeah, yeah they're saying like basically, like I think one of the guys, um, what's his name? Let me, I think something Lehner. <laughs> Uh, Professor Paul Lehner, he's an immunologist from University of Cambridge. Yeah. So he was kind of saying like, you know, maybe uh, this is going to turn out something, it's going to turn out more to a situation like chickenpox. Yep. Where, you know, you have uh, uh, young people, we expose them to COVID, like we have, he called it COVID parties. Lah. You expose them yep. to COVID, you build up a herd uh, immunity, but you're saying this in the long run. Mm. But at the same time, he says though, that we, of course, we need to be careful with COVID. We need to be very cautious in the way we move forward. Mm. So, it's a balancing act. I've read, not yet read. I've seen, I've got so many like leading scientists, right? Kings, Cambridge, Oxford. Yep. Like they have an optimistic tone, mm. but at the same time, they're not discounting COVID entirely. Sure, sure. You know, they're not saying like, this is a sham. This yep. is bogus. This yep. is a lie. No, they're saying, yep. no, this is a very weird disease. Yep. There are a lot of things we don't understand about it. Yep. Uh, we need to study it further. We need sure. to be very careful. Sure. But at the same time, in the future, it's not like the world is going to be uh, completely changed yep. in the long run. Yep. One guy even, sorry, I think it's a lady, Mora Gyaka. Gyasa, I don't know why I'm pronouncing it, pronouncing it correctly. Professor of Cardiovascular Science at King's College London. It's a he. He said he's optimistic. Mm. He thinks that this whole thing will just disappear. You know? But at the same time, he says, we need to be cautious. Yeah. To me, man, like this whole thing will disappear as soon as we stop testing. It will disappear as soon as we stop testing. Think about it this way, right? Imagine, right? If we stop testing and the media stop selling it mm. and people uh, and, and, and uh, our governments stop uh, trying to mandate mandatory masks and all of these things, all of these uh, visual signifiers that there's a pandemic going on, mm. as soon as all of that stops, the whole thing will end because to me, the whole thing is just, it's, it's an episode of mass delusion to me, right? So, but let, let me let me let me explain. Uh, let me just counter what you said just now, right? You you mentioned that uh, there are a lot of experts, virologists, immunologists, who say that who basically take a more middling position, yeah. right? So they're not saying that it's a complete scam or it's outright lie. Neither they are they saying that it's something that we should be mortally terrified of, right? Yeah. So they taking a more reasonable position, right? The same, it's the same thing. I can say that there are a lot of doctors and virologists who are calling this out to be a complete sham. Yeah. Right? So, again, it becomes a he said, she said kind of situation, sure. right? Which expert, which doctor, which specialist do you want to defer to? Which authority do you want to defer to? 
So what I would say is that when it comes to that area, obviously we're just to, in a crude way we're just picking sides, right? Yeah. Because and, but that's why the nefarity part also is very important because if there's a nefarious plot underlying this whole thing, then mm. we can't trust WHO, we can't trust the CDC. Yes. So I'm I'm going to get to that as well. So just just for me to yeah, uh, yeah. respond to some of the points, right? So you mentioned about the we we're talking about the RT-PCR test, right? So I think it was about in in August, August or September. Right, um, I've I've been I've been researching this since March. Right, there are people who've been I've been calling out to be a sham since March. Right, since 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 I, since I woke up and saw what's actually been happening, did my own research. Right, and I said that hey guys, the test is faulty, fundamentally flawed, or completely bogus. Right, that's what that was my position. Right, right, and you know obviously I was labeled a lot of different a lot of different labels. You know, including conspiracy theories for saying this. Right, but right now it's not so it's not so controversial to say that. But right. I still wouldn't call it a sham or yep. bogus. Like, so, because like 70% or even 50%, yeah, but it's not a, the best tool we sure. have, but it's a tool that we can use. Sure. But let me let me just finish my point. Mm. In in August, there was an article that came out on New York Times, Rushen. Mm. New York Times, one of the most respectable, one of the most mainstream and uh, uh, credential papers, right? And I can link it to, for your for your listeners of, of, of for the purpose of this, of this podcast as well, mm. right? 90% of the Positive cases were actually false positive. This came out in New York Times. I can link it to you. Mm-hmm. Right? So there are people saying, uh, apparently, so I can't remember the exact contents of the article, but basically the gist of it was, I'm not sure if it was a virologist or some, or some guy, epidemiologist, who, who said that, hey guys, there's a 90% false positive rate. Because why? Because of the nature of the RT-PCR test. Now, my next question would be, how many of us know what is the RT-PCR test? How does it work? Mm-hmm. The average person doesn't know, right? We wouldn't be able to figure out what this thing is, yeah. right? You can only speak to people who actually know the test and the specialist. So you actually have to do extensive reading to find out what the hell is this RT-PCR test. Yeah. So I took the trouble to look into that, the RT-PCR test. I can't remember the name of the creator of the test, but here's an interesting point. The creator of the test himself, mm-hmm. the polymerase chain reaction RT-PCR test, said it. this diagnostic should not be used to test for viruses or to test for microorganisms. Mm-hmm. Why? So a big flaw of the RT-PCR test is that it only looks at the presence of certain genetic material. Now, we're talking about the RT-PCR test uh, being able to, to identify a virus. Now, how does the virus look like? Mm. None of us know, right? So if you go in… Don't we know? We don't know what it looks like? Yeah, Isn't so it like… With it's spikes? red with spikes, Spike. right? This is… To me, this is what the media sells you. This is the this is this to me it's, it, it looks a bit cartoonish uh, to be honest but that's just me but apparently that's how it looks though because the spikes apparently that, that's like the protein or whatever sure. and sure so like to me right if you look at it deeper actually what they they're trying to do they're not trying to look for a virus solution mm. they're looking for a genetic sequence correct yeah yeah right a genetic sequence that has been tagged basically that's how the vaccines work as yes. well. Yes, genetic sequence. They say, if you see this genetic sequence, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure what the numbers were, what, mm. what the letters were, but there's a specific sequence of letters for it. So if you find this sequence of letters, this is COVID-19, mm-hmm. right? So you, you're actually not looking for a virus. You're looking for what you believe to be a signifier of the virus. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, it doesn't test for viral load. It only looks at whether that thing is there or not, right? So just to segue 90% of the people who are tested positive don't even have symptoms. Mm. They are asymptomatic. Yeah. Now, rewind back one year ago, 
right? Let's say we're in 2019. I go to the doctor. I say, doctor, I, uh, I think I'm sick. I think I'm unwell. The doctor asks me, wait, do you have any symptoms? What are you feeling? No, I don't feel any symptoms. I'm not feeling anything. I, f- I feel fine, but I think I'm sick. The doctor, doctor will tell me, bro, go home. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you're making things up in your head. Yeah. Right? But now, you go to the doctors or, or, or in, in, in mainstream consciousness, if you're not sick, you can still be sick because you might be carrying it. You might but be that's a, a feature of the virus. So, which that, is… That, which, there's scientific consensus yes, for that. Which is, which is why I'm saying it's very convenient. There is no scientific consensus. That, this is what I would dispute. There are a lot of scientists and doctors who are actually against this. Right? Okay, I, I will say that I've read a lot of prominent scientists that have spoken about the asym- asymptomatic feature of, of COVID, virus, yeah. about how it affects… Per- in, also, another thing about it that's very weird is that it affects overweight and obese people in a particular way. Okay, so so no, but I, these are yeah, legit, sure. really. Sure. you know. Let me let me try to unpack all of that, right? Yeah. So, by the same virtue that you have looked at a lot of virologists and epidemiologists and all these distinguished people who are saying a certain thing, I have also looked at people who are saying the counter. Mm. So, again, we're gonna get into he said. Can, can I just g- give you a quote? Sure. Um, this is from uh, prof- the Paul Lehnala. Right. Mm. The virus is brilliant. It allows you to have a viral factory in your nose and feel completely well. Our body cells start releasing chemicals called interferons. Once they are being hijacked by a virus, and this is a warning signal to the rest of the body and the immune system. Sure. But the coronavirus has amazing capability of switching off this chemical warning. Sure. It does it so well, you don't even know you're ill. Uh, or this uh, Mora Gyasa from King's College London. COVID is unique to diseases. It's different from any other common viral disease. It does not simply kill lung cells. It corrupts them too. Cells have been seen fusing together into massive and malfunctioning cells called synthesia. They seem to stick around. Like it's a very sticky uh, viral infection for sure. some reason. Sure. Um, Professor Beverly Hunt from King's College London. Mm. Quite honestly, in a very long career, I've never seen any group of patients with such such sticky blood. You know, it's like a very weird... S- Professor Sir Stephen O'Rahilly from University of Cambridge. Uh, COVID is worse if you're obese. As a generation, waistline increases, the risk of needing intensive care uh, or sure. increases. So, you know, it's very unusual. Sure. You know, so it's… It's it's it's, um, it's a lot of confusion, what I would say, right? Um, but let me just unpack that slowly one by one. So, what were we talking about? We were talking about the RT-PCR test, yeah. right? So, let me just finish my point on the RT-PCR sure, sure, sure. test, right? So, the idea is that this RT-PCR test has a cycling function. So what they're actually doing is they're amplifying the genetic material to look for this genetic sequence that basically says that, oh, if you see this genetic sequence, it's COVID. But first criticism, I said that it doesn't test for viral load. So it means that it doesn't test for how, how much of the virus you actually have, right? Mm-hmm. So there are perspectives in, in, in medicine that say that, you know, um, germ theory versus terrain theory, right? Germ theory is the assertion that viruses and bacteria and these things make you sick, right? They are bad for you, right? But terrain theory says that um, but viruses and bacteria and germs, they live inside you. They're part of your ecosystem, right? So, um, which… Probably, but not a which, virus. A virus is different from bacteria. Because yeah. you have healthy bacteria in your body all times. You know, that's why we drink Yakult. Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> but a virus is a parasite. You know, they take over… Uh, they hijack your body. They can't. They, sure. Virus cannot exist without you. They're parasites, basically. Yep. Whereas bacteria can live. Okay. So yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of there's a lot of inconsistencies in what we've been taught to believe about this virus, right? Mm. So you say that a virus cannot live without a host. 
but it can stay on surfaces for up to 14 days. Mm-hmm. How does that make any sense? Sure, right? Sure. This virus is so deadly that we need to uh, send out um, people in hazmat suits to sp- sanitize the road. We've seen this happen in Singapore. Right? They were going out and sanitize the road, right? Sure, sure, sure. Like streets. Taiwan right? as well. Right? They're sanitizing the, the streets. Like, like, but you say that um, washing hands with, with soap can kill it, mm. right? It doesn't quite make sense. So can it live without a host or can it not live without a host? Okay, okay. That's that's going to the the measures taken. La. I think so, a useful way to kind of divide this is let's first go into, and we've been talking about this, mm. the legitimacy of the virus. Sure. Then we go into the measures taken to combat it. Combat la, it, right? Because sure. yeah. these are two separate discussions. Yes. <laughs> so I think when it comes to legitimacy of the virus, what you're saying is you think that looking at the fatality... Um, that's one thing. You, you, okay, your your beef is, you all told me that this was a deadly virus. Mm. It's not a deadly virus. You told me uh, it's going to affect a lot of people. It's not infected a lot of people. The fatality rate for you, you feel it's low. Whereas I think my argument is, it makes sense to me because mm. if the infection rate is high, which it is high, then exponentially, it will increase. Okay, Even so- though you, you could say that it, it's not panned out that way so far. Yep. Um, so- and, 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 and second to that, one thing bro, I just feel like, how can you like deny? Because you sure. said like, if you feel that if you don't do testing, there's no COVID. But there's been deaths. Okay, there's so, been 1.34 sure. million deaths sure. worldwide. Sure. So let me, let me unpack that, right? Mm. So when it comes to the deaths, do you know how these deaths are assigned? No. Okay. No. So I have looked into it. So okay. the, I'm not claiming to be the smartest guy on the planet or sure. someone who's like super smart. I, my opinion can beat the experts. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I've looked at it, right? So um, we're talking about the deaths. Do you know how they're assigned? So if you go to outbreak.my, which I I suggest everyone to do, all your listeners to go there, outbreak.my and look at the individual cases of deaths, right? Mm -hmm. So what you will find, Roshan, is that all of these deaths overwhelmingly are people who have uh, morbidities. For example, um, I'm just going to open up one of the cases and just read to you. No, I've opened it here. Uh, sure. This outbreak.my then? Um, can you pass me the computer? I'll just pull one out just to read what. Where, where do I go? You can an example. One second. We're on the website and uh, it has all the cases broken down by state. Uh, here is it. Okay, it's, it's loading. Okay, so this is case six. I'll read it out. Six seven eight zero is a thirty-nine-year-old Malaysian man who has a history of valvular heart disease and suffered a recent accident earlier this year that caused fractures of major bones of both lower limbs, resulting in limited mobility. He was pronounced dead on twelfth May twenty twenty at the Emergency Department of Tengku Ampon of San Hospital Pahang. Okay. Yep. So okay. So let me just unpack that, right? Just just to take a couple of cases, just to show you what my general point is, right? Uh-huh. So, case six seven eight zero is a man with a history of valvular heart disease and suffered a recent accident earlier this year that caused fractures of major major bones, right? Resulting in limited mobility. So, because he was tested positive, they're saying he died of COVID. Do you think this guy died of COVID or his valvular heart disease and uh, his recent accident? Let me go on I, to the next. I, I see. I see what you're right? saying. Let, let's let's go on to the next one. This is even more. This is even more like astounding, right? Case six seven four three is a thirty year old Malaysian man who was found dead in Rompin, Pahang, 
The result of the COVID-19 sample test taken during the autopsy was positive on 12th of May. The case is under investigation by the Royal Malaysian Police and the Rompin District Health Office. So the cause of infection has not been identified. Okay, so now let's just look at what's happening here. Yeah. So basically, they found someone who was found dead in Romping Pelak, 30 years old. Yeah. So they tested his dead body mm. as positive and they marked his death as COVID. This was added to the death figures. Mm. Let's go on to the next one, right? Um, case 5539 five, five, is an 82-year-old Malaysian man with a history of hypertension and a heart disease. He was admitted into Sungai Buloh Hospital on April 22nd, but was pronounced dead on 2nd of May. He's an 82-year-old man, number one. Mm. He has hypertension and heart disease. Mm-hmm. Now, my, my, next, my next assertion is, if an 82-year-old man has a heart disease, right, has hypertension, if he gets a flu or a fever, mm. I'm pretty sure his chances of surviving is not that great, right? Because of his initial conditions already. Mm. Next thing I want to talk about, um, let's read the next case. Case 5483 is a 72-year-old Malaysian woman with a history of cancer or hypertension. She was admitted into Sarawak General Hospital, was pronounced dead. So she has cancer, she has hypertension. So... What I'm trying to, my point here yeah, is. Yeah, I get what you're saying. You're yeah. saying basically these people are dying of their pre existing conditions, but by chance they tested po- uh, positive for COVID. My, okay, so my, 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 my more salient point that I want to say is cause, uh, correlation is not causation, mm. right? So if you want to say that COVID is the thing that killed these people when they already have two or three comorbidities and look at their average age, they're yeah. in the later years of their life, right? So. For me, right, it's very simple, Roshan. Mm. If you want to assert that this virus is deadly, it should be able to take out a healthy human adult with mm. no conditions. Now, let's look at let's look at some of the cases that we've that are quite high profile that we've seen. Like you mentioned, uh, The Rock had coronavirus. For your listeners who watch football, Arteta has corona, had coronavirus. Mm. Mohamed Salah had coronavirus. Cristiano Ronaldo had coronavirus, and he even himself said that the PCR test is bullshit. He yeah. called it out, right? But okay, but we know that. COVID uh, affects the elderly and uh, those okay. with pre-existing conditions uh, more. So, so this is this is what I'm saying. This is why, to me, the virus is very convenient. Yeah, it's, it's very very convenient that you're saying that this virus does this, this virus does that, and you look at the the symptoms of this virus. Like, what are the symptoms of this virus? Coughing, dry cough. I don't know what. Um, uh, fatigue, fever, uh, runny nose. Uh, back aches, yeah. all of these symptoms can be attributed to a thousand, dif- a thousand and one different illnesses and, 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 and maladies, right? Mm-hmm. If you're having a normal flu, also will also seem like COVID, mm-hmm. right? So it's like a catch-all, it's like a catch-all, um, uh, uh, a catch-all uh, virus or a disease, right? Whereby you can attribute everything to it and hence inflate the numbers. Okay, one thing I can say about this outbreak, or my, uh, I definitely agree with you. It's very interesting the, the the cases here. But I would say though, and I've actually gone through this before when you posted in our WhatsApp group, there are a lot of people who have died here mm. who had a history of diabetes and hypertension. Mm. And diabetes and hypertension generally are not things that they are not like, for example, you're old and you get a flu and then you know, sure. or for for example, they're not found. These are things you don't really die of. Uh, very easily la diabetes because it's very treatable right mm. diabetes and hypertension um, so there are a lot of th- those cases especially with the young when you look at the young cases right mm. all of them have that uh, variation of that like hypertension or diabetes or whatever yep. there's no like young person that was perfectly healthy who has got covid and has died la yep. i've so, yet to see that and and, and you see like uh, for example just just to just to highlight one 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 visible example right Mikhail Artita, the manager oh, for arsenal oh, he this, had, this one maybe la 47 year old malaysian man 
admitted to Sarawak General Hospital, pronounced dead on 30th March. Yeah, but th- those facts don't really tell us anything. anything yeah. it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't really tell us anything. 48-year-old so, attended, had contact with someone, attended public event at... Even, they don't even say how he, what happened to him. Right. So, this guy, uh, 69-year-old uh, Pakistan National History of Diabetes. And it is very interesting reading. Yeah, so like just to come back to the example I was I was I was saying, right? So you hear a lot of these high-profile pe- people who actually said, "Oh, they were tested positive, mm. but they have no symptoms whatsoever. Mm. At best, they only had mild symptoms, and you know they just had to be cancelled for fourteen days because they had those symptoms." To me, this is very, very, it's it's alarming because it's not based on any, it's not based on any rational reason to me. Right? What is okay? So you're saying this virus is so deadly that we need to do everything that we can to, to avoid it, right? My my next question is if 90% of the people who are tested positive don't even know that they have this virus, yeah. you won't know you have the virus until the government tests you for it. That's how deadly the, the virus is, right? Yeah. So if you don't if there's nothing wrong with you, yeah. how can you say this person? I'm not sure whether it's disease? 90%. I don't know what the, the stats are for asymptomatic people. I think it's well over 80%. If you can look at WHO itself. But yeah. We have to have a discussion on WHO and, and those. Okay, we, those we get into that. Well. But but I, I have to say, like, it's not only the fatality. Again, I, I just have to come back to the point where sure. for me it is rational because again, even if okay, there's at two levels, right? They, because do, you you have to recognize that it's a weird disease, lah. And there are like there are people that have to go on respirators, breathing. It's a pulmonary uh, uh, infection. Like I was reading an article by one of the attendants in Sungai Bulo, mm. and the way he was describing yep. uh, the ICU ward, he said it was like extremely weird. It's not like this. Is not like something. There was something weird about the whole situation. There was definitely something going on. This is not something that's completely made up, la. Fair. Right. Fair. And, and and I'm just saying that one, you have one percent of fatalities, which when you look at the exponential growth, can become a very big number. Post two. Two, also, the after effects. That's another thing. Because a lot of people say there are disabilities that sure. come about from so, COVID and recovering sure. after that. It's How, not like a normal flu where you, sure. you, you build up a lot of antibodies after sure. your flu and you, you recover. Right. So, right. let me just halt you on that. So, what was your first point you mentioned? Um, what mm. was your first point? Um, uh, the, I said about the hospital, the, the doctor, and the, the respirators. and Respirators. And after that, what did you I, say? I'm just saying that, I, I was saying that this definitely there is something there, lah. You know, yep. it was weird. You can't can't say that this is something yep. made up, lah. You know, there's yep. definitely something there, 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 there is something there, but you look at the vast majority of cases. Like we're we're looking at the exception, right? We're looking at the exception. We're looking at the 0.5, 0.7% of people who actually died from it, right? Yeah. But the majority of people, Roshan, they actually have no symptoms. Yeah. They are fine, though. But bro, you have to understand one percent. <laughs> of a lot of people okay, yes. in a short period sure, of sure. time so that's, is a lot sure. of people. That's man. what I wanted to respond to you. So yeah. what you're saying now is exactly what the people who are pushing for the lockdowns yeah. and pushing for all this have been saying. And, and that's oh. why and that's why I, I doubt there's a nefarious plot because for me, it seems rational. La. Like sure. I also went, came to the same conclusion. Sure. But my point is that that projected outcome, they're saying, oh, if if even 1%, kalau semua infected, semua akan mati, everyone will die, right? Mm. So that projected outcome hasn't arrived. Mm, 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 that has been what they've been saying since March. It hasn't arrived. It's been, what, eight, eight months? Yeah. Eight months into the pandemic. Yeah. So, and look at look at the origin, uh, the justification. But you're basing the, that on the CDC projections. La. Yeah. So, every, mm. the people which, who Which were, is specific to America, la, basically. Well, people were looking at CDC and WHO for guidelines. <laughs> so, that's one, one another aspect that I want to attack as well. Like, sure. we are, we have elected 
uh, officials, we have elected representatives to represent our democracy, to, to represent our country. Mm. Why are we Why are we taking dictates from a privately funded organization that, like the World Health Organization? The mm. World Health Organization, people have this misconception that the World Health Organization is some kind of uh, supranational. The UN or that lah. Yeah, yeah. As if it's some supranational UN type of thing. No, it's not. It's mm. a privately funded organization who are the biggest donors to the to the WHO. Gates. The Bill and Gates and Melinda Foundation mm. and the US government, mm. right? So now we talk about Bill Gates and uh, Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah, you'll see Bill Gates everywhere if you follow this narrative, right? Sure, sure, sure. So he's the one who's funding uh, Gavi and a lot of the uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the organization pushing out the vaccines, vaccines and all that, yeah. right? And um, y there's a lot of financial interest tied to it. And just one more thing that I probably would like to highlight to your listeners, right? Mm. Um, in October last year, was it November? November last year, right? Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, alongside the World Economic Forum, held a, a simulation exercise called Event 201. You can look it up on the net, mm. right? So Event 201 was a, was a simulation of a zoonotic viral outbreak mm. that took over the entire world and projected deaths up to 2 to 4 million people. Okay. Right? So they ran this simulation in November, sorry, in October, mm -hmm just a couple of months before the outbreak in Wuhan. Mm, 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 mm. Who, have, who has profited from, 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 from all of this pandemic the, the rich craziness? Have definitely. They have profited off it massively. Mm, yeah. So There are stories of people taking out massive loans and just investing into the share market because it, it's basically our version of uh, a financial crisis. This is the best time to invest, guys. If you all have free money, it's a good time to put it into the, uh, the stock market. Well, I, I would caution against that, man. Because, really? Because... Um, now we're we're worried about COVID nineteen, right? My projection is that probably next year we'll have a COVID twenty one. This thing will never end. To my mind, this thing will never end because, okay, let's go back to to the. I think I think it will because even in the most uh, pessimistic view of the way this goes, like if you look mm. at a nefarious sort of mm. uh, uh, worldview, mm. you want the market to you the rich would want the market to build back up, so they would have a invested interest in getting rid of COVID after this. You know, you you get the world scared about COVID, crash the markets, you invest, and then you need to rebuild for the, the value of their shares and uh, investments to go up. So what I would say to that is, mm. look at the people who are profiting from it. Who, who is profiting from all of this? Is the pharma companies. The pharma companies have absolutely, absolutely no incentive for it to end mm. because they can keep saying, hey, yes, mutated. We need, a more, we need another vaccine for this. It's going to be a yearly affair Right? To me, it's going to be a yearly affair and they're going to milk this entire thing. Because to me, there's been so much advertising and marketing okay, but, done. done yeah, in, but in any case, we are going into territory that as of right now, yeah. maybe not best to go in yet. Sure, sure. Okay, we've spoken about um, okay the legitimacy of this uh, COVID situation. I think we've got our points across. Like, people can understand sure. the debate a little better. Sure. One more thing that I want to say about Malaysia specifically. Yep. There is one factor I feel people have not considered. This is not something that the media has pushed, but I personally think it's interesting. We know that, oh well, we don't know, but mm. there are people who say that COVID has affected, well, there's a consensus from what I've been reading that yep. COVID affects uh, the elderly and those with pre-existing yep. and it affects people that are overweight and obese. Yep. So this would uniquely affect Malaysia because Malaysia is the fattest country in, in Asia. Asia. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I think 50% I think of our adults yep. are either overweight or obese. And so that is something I think we might want to consider. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's a great point. That's a great point that I also want to attack, right? Yeah. We say that, okay. So you're it, saying that there should be more more uh, fatality if that's the case. Lah. 
No. Okay, so my, my point is, okay, we've, we've gone through that, so I don't want to go through that again. Mm. But I want to talk about how you say, okay, this virus disproportionately affects the, the immunocompromised, yep. it affects the, the obese, etc., etc., right? Now, my next, my next point would be, then if that's the case, why, why does the proposed solution by the governments seem to be stay at home, wear a mask, wait for a vaccine, okay, wait I, for us to yeah. save you? Yeah. Why don't they say, hey, have a healthier lifestyle, sure. uh, have a better diet, exercise, yep. have good social relations because it helps mental health. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, why don't they come up with a message that empowers the individual instead of a message that depowers the individual? Yeah, I completely agree. I think everybody should be exercising, uh, working out and eating healthy. Hmm. Uh, but I guess that's going into the measures taken uh, aspect of this conversation. Hmm. Now, before we go into these measures taken, so hmm. that would cover face masks, social distancing, uh, lockdown, my favorite uh, topic. vaccines, <laughs> vaccines yep. herd immunity, yep, all, yep, all that all jazz. That stuff. But, I think before we can talk about all that, hmm. there's an interesting conversation to be had about the role of the state. Oh, okay. okay. Let's do this. <laughs> now, this is something we both agree. We yep. both have a strong distrust of the state. Yep. I also have a very strong distrust of the state. Mm. Um, but for me, wh what I believe is, as of to date, the, it, the state has acted, I think, not disproportionately. Mm. I got very, very uh, concerned mm. when they were going to declare emergency. Mm. Right? Uh, I know a lot of people, I'm not going to say whether I would or would not have, but I know a lot of people that wanted to protest if a state of emergency was declared. Mm. Because for me, up to this point, we had checks and balances. Okay. You totally dispute that any checks and balances. Yep. Okay. So maybe you can get into that. What's your position here? Okay, cool. So, um, so, do you think that the state has a right? Okay, first and foremost, the first, first point I want to make is that if the government can cancel your rights by making you believe that there's an existential threat, you actually do not have rights. You have only permissions, mm. right? All the government needs to do is convince the population. In fact, they don't even need to convince the population, right? When they locked us all down, was there a vote? Was there, was, was there a democratic process? Did they debate in parliament? Nothing, bro. Mm. They just locked us down. They came up with a, they rushed the legislation, the Coronavirus Act, whatever. They rushed the legislation and they just locked everyone down on gunpoint. This was, to me, this was very egregious. This was, to me, very offensive. Right, um, so um, so we want to talk about checks and balances, right? Where was the check and balances there? Okay. So you mentioned that okay, you have you put out a good point, okay? And it's 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 heartening to know that there are people who are willing to stand up if the government declares a state of emergency. My next point then would be, we are already in a pseudo state of emergency. We're in a strange situation whereby we're not yet in an emergency, but the measures are all already there. Yeah. Like, can you imagine, bro? The government was. Uh, even up until now, they're saying up to how many people we can have in our cars. Mm. Mm. Like, okay, so let's go, let's go back to the classical argument for, for a state, right? For a government. Why do we have a government? Uh. Why do we elect a leviathan, the government? Mm. Right? What's the original justification for That's that? That's what Adam Smith. Uh, um, I think leviathan is Thomas Hobbes. Oh, Thomas Hobbes. Hobbes. Yes, yes. My yep. bad, my bad. So, yes. uh, before I give you my version on, on what I think is the classical argument for a state, yeah. What do you think? Um, okay, so I have always, even on this podcast, I've many times said that I'm conservative. Okay. But I don't know where I, I just don't know what to describe myself. But I'm coming to realize that I think what I am is I, I'm very pro-freedom. So I actually believe in a small state. Uh, I, I think I'm a bit libertarian or classic, uh, a cla a classical liberal in that I don't believe uh, that I feel like institutions tend to bloat and carry power and they just become useless and they do more harm than good. 
So I I believe in people helping people, and I believe that that's where power lies. Um, but um, I do believe that when it comes to rights, it's not we, when you live in a society, your rights are limited. Sure. It's not like you can do anything you want to do all the time. Yep. There are social obligations that can be enforced. And what the the way I, I the line I always use to help people understand is your right ends where my right begins. Sure. And even in with classical liberals, I think like John Stuart Mill said, I think he has like no harm principle. So w- what you can argue is that a state can intervene when it would cause harm to another. Sure. Even when yep. it would cause harm to yourself, sure. technically the state can intervene. You know, okay. so yeah. That that pit, I have a problem, but mm. it's 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 great that we have a lot of common points there. Sure, right. We have a natural distrust of the state. I have the same natural distrust of the state as well. I view anything, any centralization of power as dangerous. Right. I believe in that in that maxim: power corrupts absolutely. absolutely. Power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. Right. So whenever you centralize power, there's always going to be problems. It's always going to be subject to abuse. Right. So um, so. To me, right, from how I read it, like you mentioned it yourself, uh, whenever whenever we live in society, we have to seat our rights, right? So I think if not, if I'm not mistaken, that was also a Hobbesian position, saying that you know we have to seat our rights to the Leviathan, to the government, sure. to uh, central power, so that there's order, right? Because just fun fact, lah. I mean, I don't know if people know this, but in, in the Bible, mm. uh, when when you talk about Adam and Eve yep. and the snake yep. that came to tempt them, right? Yeah, uh, it's actually not a snake. It was actually a Leviathan, which is like a snake-like. Dragon-like reptilian, reptilian, like, <laughs> <laughs> the archons lah. <laughs> reptilians, bro. That's another topic. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it was it was a snake-like, monster-like kind of creature, which is a leviathan, actually. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. So cool, man. So um, what were we talking about? Um, yeah, the leviathan, right? So the idea that if you live in a society, you need to seat your rights to a leviathan so that there's order and and you know people don't kill each other and and and, and screw with each other, right? Mm. So the idea of having a state. Is so that um, the state can protect our rights. The state can um, enforce against uh, violence or, or belligerent behavior, right? Mm. So that's the the classical justification for a state is to you know we cede our rights to the Leviathan so that the Leviathan can keep us safe, mm. right? So it seems to me, it seems to me, I, you know, I'm not a political theorist, so but yep. so I, I only know from what I've read. But it seems to me the main purpose of a government or a state is to protect our rights because we don't trust that um, we will we don't trust that we can do it without without a centralized power yeah and hence we, we see that to the state we have a police force who are have basically have monopoly on violence sure right the state basically to me the difference between government and everything else is that government has legitimate monopoly on the use of force and violence sure right so um just to just to say my initial position beforehand, I do not believe in the state. I'm an anti-statist guy, mm. so um, my 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 viewpoint probably will come more from an anarchist perspective, or um, the, the 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 only compromise that probably I will make is the libertarian position, mm. whereby we need the state because you know um, without the state there will be violence etc. Whatever the yeah. arguments are, and so. Um, but we don't want it to go beyond that. We want a minimal state. Yeah. And I guess just to give context, because I, mm. I just imagine Jeremy talking. <laughs> <laughs> His soul is still here, even though physically it's not here. <laughs> he would say that you know, even though you, even if you have a small state, mm. you would still have powers that converge and would take on a state-like um, a structure, if you have a free market, lah. You know, he 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 would make I agree. that argument. I agree with that point. Mm. But that's the, why you're anti-state completely, lah. You're anarchist, lah, completely. Yep. So, um, but I agree with that point. But what I would say is that 
in a in a free market society, in a, in a capitalist society or a society that distrusts the state, right? A society that insists on a small state, right? The small state would just be basically upholding non-aggression principle, protecting uh, 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 protecting property rights, mm-hmm. and um, uh, enforcing private contracts, mm. right? So that's the point of the state. It doesn't intervene in anything else. It doesn't pick winners and losers. It doesn't try to redistribute to the benefit and the detriment of whoever else in the society. It's just a referee, right? Um, the counterpoint that I will make to that Jeremy position is that… The Jeremy position. Yeah, Jeremy position. <laughs> it's, always, it's always here with, with us. So the counterpoint I will make to that is, if businesses, right, uh, if businesses collude with each other and, and consolidate power, they still do not have monopoly on violence. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you disagree with concentration of power in a free market society, in a society whereby there's a small state and there are big private players, the private players cannot use the law to make you comply. Mm. The private players cannot cannot use the police force or mercenary forces to to aggress on you. Mm. The government can. Mm. So when you have a government that tries to intervene in all aspects of life, like for example, I, I read this good point. It says that it is the government's okay. It is not the government's job to take care of my health. Yeah. The job of the government is to preserve my rights. Sure. My health is my responsibility. Yeah. But I mean that doesn't technically apply in this situation because why? Because um, it's the because if, even if you follow how do I say this hmm. basically the argument is COVID was going to affect a lot of other people you know so technically the state wasn't protecting you or trying to manage your own health but technically the state was trying to protect other people even if you say the most vulnerable you know you're talking about the elderly or those are pre-existing sure so in that in that way the no harm principle would, would step in lah Again, when we talk about that, we, we have we have a collision of facts because you because your your position maintains that oh this thing is so deadly that it's going to affect our neighbors. We're going we're going to kill our neighbors if we don't do anything about it. And so the non-aggression principle comes in. I do not believe that. Yeah, right. Exactly. So that's to me that 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 point of contention is based on on facts lah. So we're, we're making arguments based on facts. But um, for the purposes of this discussion, see, we're talking about political rights and government. Let's make a let's make an argument based on principle, mm. right? So the ground, the ground of my belief is that, you know, because the question is always asked, does the indi- individual exist for the sake of society or does society exist for the sake of the individual? Yeah, I don't, I don't know whether we could even separate it. It's too symbiotic, symbiotic to even do either. It's like chicken and egg okay. kind of. So I believe that, the in, that, the, that society exists for the sake of the individual, not the other way around. Because mm. if you say that individual exists for the sake of society, then the society can demand anything of the individual and he has to cede. Mm. So it means that the individual does not belong to himself. He belongs to the society or by approximation, he belongs to the state or the but government. It is a simplistic view because the societies can ask certain things from the individual. Okay. So, you know, so to, this for example, uh, com- complying with basic laws like traffic laws. Sure. You have to secede some of your individual rights. Putting on a, a safety belt is a is a seceding of fundamental of, of rights. Yep. Rights. I, I agree with that. You yeah. you give up part of your rights as an individual when Agreed. you are a part of a society. I agree with that. Mm. My my point being that um, there are rights that no one can ask you to secede. For example, the right to economic life. Sure, sure, sure. Right. Sure. The government cannot ban you from. St- from opening your jual, gerai jual nasi lemak, man. Okay, let me uh, let me let me make it more trickier for you, dude. Mm. What if the fatality rate was fifty percent? If the fatality rate was fifty percent, I would say this. This is what I would say. Even if the fatality rate was fifty percent, I would say that you have no right 
to use violence and aggression on another person to coerce him or her to follow your dictates. So this, so, I think we might disagree. Yeah, so we might disagree I, I, I guess I take on a more Kantian punya sure. perspective, right? The idea that you should treat individuals as means, as ends in themselves and not means to be used, mm. right? So, so just to just to make another <laughs> another funny example, right? I can just think of something in, at the top of my head. I was at the Mama just two weeks ago, right? I was, I was. The TV was on, mm. right? Uh, the, the the TV was showing um, a program of of PBR pit bull riding in your competition. Okay. Right. So they were. So the contestants were um, and, and 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 all the referees were all wearing masks and everything, right, to prevent that some sort of corona and whatever. But this guy got on a bull on a pit bull mm. and rode that bull for a full 15-30 seconds. And I was thinking to myself, if he fell and the bull kicked him in the face with the hoofs or or hit on his ribcage, he would probably die, right? But we don't say that. We don't ban that. The the guy has the the participants have the right to get on the bull and play that sport. Yeah. Even though, even though, okay. For example, like, what is the mortality rate of being crushed by the hoofs of a pit bull? Yeah, but it's different, dude. Because uh, when you take voluntary, when you take a voluntary risk to put mm. yourself in harm's way, yeah, uh, it doesn't like. For example, if you ride the bull and you die, yep. your parents are not automatically going to die. You know. Okay, so you with COVID, you, there's an argument that it would affect other people. Yes, I understand the argument. Yeah, but my point is that argument hasn't come to fruition. <laughs> Right, yeah. I haven't worn masks or sanitizers since March. Since I realized it was a, to me, it's been, it's, it's, a, it's a, we're living a business plan, right? Yeah. We're being milked for someone else's profit. This is, this is how I see the entire situation. This is the lens in which I use to, 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 to analyze it, right? That assertion is a prophecy or a, or a doom and gloom situation that has not come through. So we, we're always waiting for that to happen. It's like, oh, if you do this, and so you need to follow me. Yeah. You need to listen. You need to comply to whatever I tell you. So we're, that is why for me, I feel like we're being herded towards a particular path, a particular endgame outcome. Okay, I'll respond to that. But before mm. that, I just want to wrap up that state state conversation. Sure. And I just want to say two things. One, I actually, I was watching a YouTube video. I think there was a, a British MP, mm. uh, Steve Baker. I think he's uh, basically a, a, a Tory, la, mm. right? And um, he's a, a libertarian, la, or maybe a classical uh, a, a liberal, la, basically. Sure. And he was saying... He was giving a speech because I think they were approving a budget mm. to help their citizens and it's basically the state, you know, intervening. La, and yep. this is a libertarian nightmare, la, right? Yep. You know. Yep. Um, but so he was saying like, because he, he's part of the so-called Boris Johnson team. La. Mm. So he was saying, look, uh, Mr. Pre- uh, 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 Mr. Speaker, or I don't know, I can't remember exactly what the words were, but he was saying, this plan is good mm. and it's needed. Mm. But he started crying. <laughs> he's crying, and he started saying like but please let not this be longer than it needs to be right you know he's saying like look I need I know this has to be done but this is so damn dangerous and yep. if it, it were to continue any longer than it's necessary it would be so destructive sorry what was the plan what was the proposed I, policy I, I can't really recall but I think they were going to you know give handouts okay, and fair, in, fair. you know things like Understood. they were bailing out people and things like that. Yep. That is a position that I can sympathize with. right? I'm not going to be a dogmatic fundamentalist saying oh no, I'm an anarchist. Any state power I do not accept. I understand that we live in the real world. There are compromises that need to be made. But that is not the attitude of governments acting this. They are dragging this out. Mm. Like for example, what was the original justification for the lockdown? Do you remember? 
Um, I think the infection rate was super high. People didn't know what was going on. So then they just… Okay, they from what I remember… They the wanted to what, uh, flatten the curve. Yes. Flatten the curve. If I remember correctly, to me, that was the original justification for the, for the lockdown. Oh, we need to have a two-week period lockdown. And they lifted the MCO. Huh? To flatten the curve. They did lift the MCO. Not after two weeks. Well, eventually they did. Lah. Once the curve was flattened, they did re- technically relinquish some… We are still in conditional MCO. Well, after a while. Lah. After a few months after that. The MCO has never been lifted, bro. Oh, yeah. It has so never that. been lifted. We've, we've just no. been on PKPB, PKPP, PK, yeah, yeah, yeah. PK, No, but PK you remember, <laughs> there is a big difference from the first MCO. That was a proper, proper lockdown. Lah. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Mm. anyway, anyway. Let, let me just address the second point. Mm. And I think this is important. Sure. This is why I think the state is has is not uh, disproportionate in the actions it's taken. Yep. Okay, first thing is, even though the police were putting out summons and locking people up, yep. we had an active judiciary. So okay. even though the courts were closed, the criminal courts were open. Okay. And so your remand orders were still in place. So you could not like hold someone more than 24 hours sure. without going to a judge. Sure. So that was for me still one check and still, balance. Still a safeguard there. Sure. Second thing is, at the time, mm. even though the government had released guidelines mm. uh, with the MCO regulations and whatever, that's the executive uh, legislation that it released. Mm. Parliament was supposed to convene. Right. 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 I was very annoyed and very troubled. That it was getting postponed, right? It was postponed. Yep. And even the first uh, sitting yep. was just the king's speech. Because what happened was they constitutionally they had to call a sitting. Right. So they called a sitting, but they didn't debate anything. Yep, yep. They just, just had name. a speech. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was very, very bad. And the opposition spoke out against it. Anwar was talking about it and all yep. that. Yep. Um, and that's also why I was very troubled when they wanted to declare emergency. Mm. Because I definitely agree, mm. and I'm not saying this of our government. Yep. God bless our government, <laughs> saints, all of them. But I'm saying less scrupulous, uh, uh, less well intent people would would definitely be willing to take advantage of this situation to hold on to power. Right. Not saying this about our government. <laughs> Far be it from me to cast any aspersions on anyone. But I'm saying in theory, yeah. right? A less uh, uh, less group… Uh, 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 less well-intentioned yeah. group of people in government. Yep. Yeah. Would, would, would uh, definitely take advantage of this situation. But it didn't happen. Right? Parliament is sitting, has said, so there is a check. And sure. we have a very robust opposition. Sure. <laughs> because the way our politics work, it works, everybody is trying to look out for their own party. Yeah. So we have, if it, this happened maybe uh, 10, 15 years ago, right. it would have been very difficult. Right. Because it was only Amno in power. Right. right. But we have a very robust opposition today. Mm. And so that's another check. That's another check. So to me, there were some scary moments. Right. But... To say that everything is a farce, that it's all an illusion, that there is no checks and balances at all, that we are all being manipulated by the government is false. Because we have a judiciary, we have parliament, and the people need to keep these bodies working. As long as these bodies are working, we still, to me, there's a degree of protection. That's my point. So you are, okay, so so this is where we differ because your barometers for uh, checks and balances or um, um, whatever that we were talking about basically was the judiciary and these other functions. Legislative. Other legislative functions, yeah. right? Which is fair. Which is, a, which is a fair point in itself. The way I look at it is this. Um, due to this pandemic of fear, look at what we've given up. 
we've given up our right to assemble, mm. our right to associate freely, our right to move freely, mm. right? Uh, even our, uh, to, a, to a certain extent, our economic lives. Yep. We've given up rights that were previously deemed as inviolable. Fundamental. Right? Fundamental basic rights. And even you can make the argument that freedom of speech is being curtailed because any post or any, uh, 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 any counter-narrative that basically says that, hey, there's something else going on, there's a bigger thing and you know we shouldn't abide by, abide by this, we should not comply. All of those kind of messages are being censored on Facebook, on Twitter, on all the social media. So, you know, technically, they haven't removed it completely but it's being removed, mm. the freedom of speech. And you know, um, you know, there's this entire campaign about, oh, kalau tak benar, jangan sebar and all that stuff, right? Who is to decide what is true news, what is fake news, mm. what is... Uh, what is legit by the by the independent quote unquote fact checkers? Who who is to decide all these things, right? If the marketplace of ideas is already being stifled, I think that to me this is where I see the danger from Roshan because you don't see the danger because you say that there are these legislative bodies. The way I the why I see all these dangers is because I see that our rights have been massively curtailed mm-hmm. for a threat that I think is uh, that is not proportional. Mm. It's it's obscenely not proportional. Like you look at the death rates, like for example, um, I think the numbers for suicide is about 266 in Malaysia, 266, wow, okay, something along those lines. And the numbers for corona deaths is about 300 plus. Yeah. Right? So, uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. Right? Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not a proportional response, right? I guess, I guess that's one, one, one stance that I can probably say that will not invite too much, too much criticism or too much um, blowback. I can't find a website on the suicide rates. But, you yeah, know, yeah. I can... Okay, so, l- let's go into the measures taken. La. Sure. Um, okay, the biggest one, the lockdown. Okay, the lockdown. Yep. Um, in the beginning, uh, without much information yep. and a viral disease, fair enough, flattening the curve, uh, maybe it was a good idea just because uh, maybe our hospitals were not ready. Yep. Uh, maybe uh, we didn't know how fatal it was. Sure. So, in those kind of scenarios, I would definitely see the wisdom of... Because once it's out there, you can't pull it back. Sure. Fair enough, right? Uh, but now though, mm. now that we know that the fatality is low, now that we know that it affects these groups, uh, is the lockdown... And I think this is a legit debate to be had. Yeah, for because sure. Because we have to weigh the cons here. Look at the cons. Uh, the economical uh, uh, issues. Uh, you know, the, the economy is gone. People are losing their jobs. It's... Insane. Yep. People are getting their, their salaries cut. Yep. And the ones who are getting affected the most are the poor. Yep. For sure. Whereas you are giving rebates for buying cars. Who are the ones buying these cars? Exactly. It's the rich. Yep. You know, it's crazy. Um, social issues, mm. abuse, uh, marriages breaking down, suicide rates, suicide, depression, depression, mental health. Right? All that, man, has been, it's been, it's, it's severely affecting. The, even if we recover from the physical part of COVID, the social ramifications, the social healing that we will need to do later yep. is also very, very important. Yep. Kids not being in school. Yeah, and the psychological trauma they're being subjected to, to, you know, wear masks every day and view other people as threat. And, you know, mm. that to me, that thing to me is very, very scary, to yep. be honest with you, because this is uh, the measures, to me, I would call them, they're, they're anti-life. They're against your your conscience against your natural instincts. Like people want to be together and people mm. want to be, you know, um, we want to have social interactions. You know, we don't want to have to be like one meter apart and all that mm. stuff, right? So 
I think these measures have been taken too far. Okay, but mm. I would make a distinction between the lockdown and social distancing sure. and, and mask wearing. Sure. So lockdown itself, because there are countries that have tried soft approaches. Sure. And there are countries that have been successful with no lockdown. No, uh, no, 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 no mask. Sweden, yeah. Sweden. But Sweden is arguable because they have a high fatality rate. Even now recently, wait, it's just come out like a few days ago. Sweden, uh, COVID response, right? Let me just put that in. Sure. But I can tell you, okay, for example, uh, uh, Taiwan. Mm. Taiwan has done… Sp- I don't know why not a lot of people are talking about Taiwan. Mm. Uh, but Taiwan is doing really, really well. Um, Did they have any lockdowns or masks? No, they have masks. They yeah. are very strict on masks. Okay. But no lockdown at all. Okay. Uh, zero. Yep. Um, That's smart. Yeah. They, uh, but they had a very uh, powerful uh, tracing method. Lah. Sure. So they were tracking and tracing. Uh, okay, so for example, uh, the Swedish model. So a lot of people said Sweden did a soft approach. Basically, what they did was, for if you don't know, uh, they didn't have a lockdown. Yep. No they never, they ne- never. They advised people, yep. if you want to, yep. wear it. Yep. But they never mandated masks. They wearing. never used police against their civilians to, to enforce these measures, yes. Yeah, mm. but recently… I think I think I'm familiar with the argument because I just had this on my social media a couple of days ago. Yeah, because I believe the fatality rate is high among oh. the European states per capita. It's as high as America, if I'm not mistaken. No, 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 Shen. If you look at the numbers, their absolute deaths and their per capita deaths is lower than uh, Spain and UK and all the other countries that instituted a lockdown. Okay, this article came out. This is Time.com. Mm. It came out in uh, just recently. I think no. Late October? Sure. So it says as of October 13, Sweden's per capita death rate is 58.4 per 100,000 people according to John Hopkins University data. 12th highest in the world. No, you, I think you have to make the appropriate comparisons here. I think you have your your best bet is to compare with UK and Spain and the other countries that mandated lockdowns and 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 the wearing of masks, mm-hmm. right? So, and you, if you look at the data, you will see that their absolute number of deaths, mm-hmm. as well as their deaths per capita, is lower. So, to me, the Sweden case breaks the narrative that saying lockdowns and masks are effective okay, because I, they've yeah, actually but- had lower numbers than the countries that instituted lockdowns and masks. Okay, I don't know how true this is because from my reading per capita, they are quite high. Even think, though initially they were doing, they had a… I think you can, you can, you can look at the, de- the stats uh, real quick. Like, I think this is… Yeah. yeah I think you can look at the, the stats on… Um, just yeah. look at sure. uh, coronavirus stats. But, no, but, but it has to be per capita because… Sure, of course. They have… Uh, they're a small country. From what I have here, Sweden is persisting with its strategy of standing out from other European countries by not ordering a formal lockdown. Instead, the public health agency issues recommendations on social distancing, hand hygiene and working from home. It is the only European country not to compel people to wear face masks outside hospitals. The number of patients hospitalized with COVID-19 is doubling in Sweden every eight days currently. The fastest rate for any European country for which data is available. Its cases per capita have sex sextupled, what a wonderful word, in the past month to more than 300 new daily infections per million people. Sure. Okay. Close to the UK, we are ahead of its Nordic neighbours. Okay, I think, I think I've, I've got the numbers here but mm. I, I probably let's not try to get our, our discussion Yeah, but, what, okay, but what I'm saying is Sweden is tricky, right? It's tricky. It's not very straightforward. It's not a clear-cut success story. 
I, I would say that it is a clear-cut success story because if you look at the numbers, mm. um, I can't f- quite find Sweden here. I think it's pretty much down there. But uh, yeah, their absolute number of deaths and their per capita deaths are lower than UK and Spain, which mm. instituted harsh lockdowns. Yeah. So to me, how how can you say that it works when, when the results show otherwise? You got to have to ignore reality completely to say that. No, not you don't have to. That's the thing. That's the thing, Alif. I don't <laughs> think you should use words like that, lah. That's the thing that people get. Fair, fair. Uh, you know, people <laughs> get annoyed because you use, you use words like you know you totally avoid of reality or okay. makes no sense whatsoever. But it's a lot more complicated than that, lah. <laughs> we we like for it to be complicated, but if I can pull up the numbers here, I'll, I'll be able to show you. But sure. it is, it's too it's too much time. We can probably do it off of sure, sure, sure. Okay, sure. so yeah, I found it. Perfect. Okay. So, Sweden number of a uh, number of death confirmed deaths absolute deaths Sweden yeah. is six three four zero okay and then for uh, UK it's five three six eight zero okay okay so that's UK almost had ten times more deaths than Sweden and they and Sweden had no lockdown but it's it's very hard to compare different state uh, compare states like that okay because. One th- okay, first thing, the geography could be different. Perfect. All right? Yep. Second thing, you could be talking about the different social differences between the two sure, groups. Sure. You know, there's so many so many different things. The healthcare Fair. system could be different. Fair. And, but even with Sweden, mm. the recent articles show an uptake uh, in the it, numbers now. Okay. Yeah, that much I, I know. Okay, so a couple of things that I want to unpack that. Okay, so let me just finish my first point. Okay, sure. UK deaths per million, right? So, if you want to look at numbers, we look at it in terms of death per million. So that way, it's a bit more uh, moderated, right? Mm. UK death per million is 803.18 deaths per million. And Sweden's number is... Blah, 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 blah. Where, was, where was that guy? Uh, Sweden's number is 616. Mm. So you can see deaths per million and absolute deaths is lower. Yeah. But okay, let's move on beyond the numbers, right? So sure. we were talking about... Uh, you were talking about different factors, like for example, the culture, the different region, etc. The, the and all geography. That, right? So, I've heard this argument… The social responsibility. Yes. Yeah, so, I, I've heard this argument time and time again. Mm-hmm. Right? What I would… Count, my counterpoint to that is simply this. If you say that death rates is affected by uh, uh, culture of the people or weather or region, right? Yeah, okay. That's something that you can't really… You can't really measure again you can't really you can't really you can't really have an objective way of, of determining what is what but all that shows is that lockdowns mm. and mass have no result have no bearing on the outcome yeah no so okay i would i would say that um success in curbing covid mm. uh, doesn't necessarily uh, you there are other approaches besides the lockdown lah you know the lockdown is one way yep. you know but Looking at the cons that come with a lockdown, yep. it might be disproportionate or even ridiculous to yep. implement a lockdown. Yep. Face mask is different though. Okay. So now on the topic of face mask, I can unpack this as, as well. But before that, because you spoke about Sweden, I just want to talk about mm. Taiwan. Mm. Because Taiwan holds the world's best virus record, uh, I mean in terms of curtailing it mm. by far. Mm. Um, I think it's pretty crazy, you know. Taiwan is almost, it's bigger than Malaysia, I think. Hold on now. Let me just pull up Taiwan COVID response. A segue to that as well, Roshan, like uh, one more thing that I just want to bring up again in the discussion, like when we're talking about deaths, mm. we're basing it off uh, 
the way that they define COVID deaths. Sure, sure, sure. Right? So, yeah. like, there have been so many reports of people who die of cancer or die of accidents, even accidents. I mean, that's what you brought up just now with the… Right. Yeah. yeah. So, people who die of other different causes, but they've been assigned COVID deaths just because they're tested positive. The UK's government's policy is that anyone who's tested positive for coronavirus within 28 days, mm. for any deaths that they may experience, will be subjected to COVID. Yeah, okay, that would not make sense. Lah. They, so, that means they are dying for another reason, but then… Yes, yeah. which is why I'm wary, I'm very wary about, about these death stats because, yeah. you know, you know the saying that there's lies, them lies, and there's statistics. Okay, uh, with Taiwan, right, they have 23.78 million population. Sure. Uh, their stats are, they had, since the beginning of this whole thing, mm. till now, 617 total cases. Yep. 548 have recovered. Seven deaths. Okay, Seven deaths. Beautiful, right? No it, lockdown. Yep. No, no lockdown. lockdown. But, okay, what they did do was they shut down uh, the country to non-residents in January itself. Mm. They, a big approach they did was stockpiling uh, face masks. Mm. They didn't, they even uh, banned uh, export of, exports of uh, face masks. Uh, they had world-class contact tracing. Mm. Apparently, they were hit hard with SARS. Mm. So, that's why they were like more prepared for more, it. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah and so now they, they they and so what they do is they were very responsible with their home quarantining mm. uh, according to the stat 99.7% complied with home quarantines so one of their uh, ministers health, health ministers if I'm not mistaken said that you know we sacrificed 14 days of 340,000 people in exchange for normal lives for 23 million people Sure. You know, so people were very responsible in the way they conducted themselves. So with face masks, okay, so we go into the discussion of face masks and yep. social distancing. Yep. Uh, I know, okay, I really know what you're gonna say. In the sense <laughs> that face masks are so a bit like the testing. Yep. You know, it's not a hundred percent a guarantee, but dude, there's been a lot of research that says it does help. Okay. You know, it does help. Le it is a barrier. Uh, it does reduce the transfer of air droplets, okay. which is a way that the virus moves. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. So okay. So um, just just as a counterpoint to the to the to the Taiwan situation, right? So you see, the number of deaths is radically lower, tau. Seven. Seven. And deaths. and the number of cases also radically lower, yep, right? Yep, yep. So my point is that the experience of coronavirus, but all these countries can be so freaking different. vastly different, right? Yep. It's mind-boggling, right? How different it is. Sure. Now, we can we can put it down to government's response and whatever. But the problem with putting it down to government's response is that the government is always right. Mm. The government will always be right because the way I see it, they control how many tests they make. And so, if you want more positive test case, you can just test more people. Mm. And right, and and they are control how how deaths are defined. So. If if the if the results are already but then everybody can already be then everybody would be it's tricky lah, dude because it's not so simple. Yeah, the state would want to uh, uh, drive up fear to stay in power. Yeah, but the state also has a vested interest in being re-elected, and so they would want to tout a good uh, a, a good a, a response, uh, response, right? A good response, right. Of course. So, uh, so in that case, then they would also they would be invested also in playing with the numbers to reduce the numbers. In fact, yes. there has been rumours yep. that they downplayed the numbers as well. Yeah, so that's that's my main contention <laughs> about the whole situation, Taroshan. The whole thing my is… Whole, <laughs> that's my main contention. Because it can go both ways. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. can play it up, they can play it down. Yeah. The, my, my main argument is that why are we resting our civil liberties mm. based on statistics that are opaque? 
that cannot be transparently verified, that cannot be... It, look, we wake up every day, we watch the TV, they just tell us how many cases, how many deaths. Do, does anyone have control over that? No. Yeah. Right? Whoever reports the numbers and we are just taking them on their word that these numbers are verified, these numbers are true and they represent actual reality. But what, what, one thing, mm. I'll push back in this way, bro. Mm. For me, from what I've read, immunologists, leading immunologists, biologists, epidemiologists, everyone has said we need to take this seriously. Even every country, dude, even the Look. Sweden leadership, even the Swedish leadership has said this is something that needs to be taken yes. seriously. I accept your assertion. <laughs> My point is that, Roshan, the same way that you're talking about, you have uh, uh, experts and immunologists and, and all these guys who are saying, all these experts are saying that, hey, we should take this seriously. I can show you a bunch of other experts, yeah. a bunch of people who don't get mainstream time yeah. calling this out. Mm -mm -mm. Completely calling this out. They have their credentials of their own as well. They are professors. They are they have distinguished people on their side as well. Mm. So my point for the listeners is that this idea that scientists and experts agree on this is not true. Yeah. It is highly con contentious and it's being disputed. It's just that we don't see it yeah. in the mainstream media. For me, I think that I'm against... I mean, it doesn't matter what I... I you know, well, it does matter what I think, but mm. I'm not a... No one's going to be listening to this and <laughs> oh, we need to change policy based on what Roshan Gomez is saying. But sure. what I would say is that I don't think we should do a lockdown. Uh, I agree but I that. think it would be extremely irresponsible for us not to socially distance, not to wear face masks because if the num positive numbers go up, even if you question the number of positives, there's going to be an uh, effect on the, our healthcare system. Okay. There's, there's going to be, you know, it, it, there is going to be a negative reaction here. I would, I would, and that's the problem, you know. Mm. And this is the thing with Malaysians as well. Because I I I I I do go out still, lah, mm. you know. I've still hung out with friends and yep. things like that. And I've gone to like, for example, Bangsa, you yep. know, at like six and parenting closes at ten. Yep. But I can tell you, dude, <laughs> like the reason why I don't think that at least for my experiences, that mm. Malaysians are going to be like stopped from exercising their freedoms. Right, yeah. Just because I feel that too many people love to party and have fun, <laughs> you know. And and I'm looking at all these people, right? Mm. Um, they don't really have that type of the will or responsibility to, you know, exercise the social responsibility. Sure. You know, I, the social distancing. Sure. We are not really, even though we are Asian, we are a bit of a different type of Asian. La. Yep. You know, we're very chill. I think we're very community-based. I think socializing is very important for Malaysians. I think, you know, the mama culture, sure. the lepak culture, you know, that's very, very important to that's, us. That's us. That's yeah. us. Yeah. We are not a, a society of people that are like, oh, let's, we're not Japanese where we need to work and, you know, build up the economy. Yep. You know, we are very like, we need to chill, family, friends. You know, yep. It's very important to us. Yep. So, I, the only thing I would caution if we didn't do a lockdown was, is whether everybody can, you know, uh, socially distance themselves, whether people can wear face masks, whether people can be responsible. Sure. I have doubts, man. I have doubts. And I think it would be irresponsible, irresponsible for us. Mm. Even if, let's say you're right, dude. Mm. Let's say you're right. Mm. Let's say all of this is a sham. Mm. Okay. Even if we wear the mask, even if we socially distance, there's no harm. Okay. So there's no harm. I, but mm. if I'm right, then, at you know, not doing all these things I would understand. have a great, impact, exactly. adverse I, impact that we will not be able to roll back. I understand. Yeah. Which is why, which is why I view this entire thing as 
evil genius. <laughs> because, because you see, you see what's the narrative here. I see the narrative here as this, Roshan. I mean, you know, obviously a lot of people will, will disagree. Mm. But I don't think the attitude that, oh, we need to blame the peasants, we need to blame the, the everyday people for not being responsible, for not doing this. This is the narrative that is trying to sell to you that if you exercise your rights, you are selfish, you are irresponsible, you, you, you are the ones who caused this to happen. I think that's a very dangerous slope to go down to mm. because if you, let's just put it this way, uh, Roshan, you say, hey, you didn't wear a mask, you didn't social distance, uh, the virus, uh, 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 the cases uptick because of people like you. Can you prove that in court? Mm. You cannot prove that in court. You cannot prove that this person, because he didn't wear a mask, he didn't do, do social distancing, he was this one who uh, passed the virus around. Yeah. Right? So that's not something that you are just making a, to me is a, to me, it's a baseless accusation, right? A baseless accusation to 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 um to just say that you know because you don't abide by the by the rules, you are the one who yeah. are who have been causing these things to happen. Yeah. So which is why I feel that the entire thing is dangerous because we're make we're made to feel guilty yeah. and we're made to feel like exercising our rights is something that's selfish, something that's bad. Yeah. So it's moving towards a more collectivist kind of society. Yeah. But Alif, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it as well. Okay. You can't say no lockdown. But then say everything goes back to normal after that. Why not? Because even with Sweden, for example, they still were, you know, socially distancing themselves. They were still taking precautions. Every, dude, every country, even if they didn't have a lockdown, took some measures against this. But your approach runs yep. contrary to every state in the okay. world, dude. So this is what I'm saying. This is where I think the logical leap is not right. Because you're saying that… Um, you you confusing the 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 measures or the results or actually the measures that people taking mm. for the fact that it's effective. No, I'm saying that I think you might I think you might disagree uh, about the effectiveness of the measures. Okay. You might disagree with the extent. Okay. But there needs to be a response. But if you follow your approach, your approach is don't respond at all. Don't do yes. anything. Just live life as, no yes. as normal. Yes. And I think. It can't work like that. The only way I see us not doing a lockdown is if everybody agrees that we need to be more responsible. Okay, Roshan. And that doesn't work if you okay. don't acknowledge let, that there's a problem. Me, okay, I know. I know why, why you're infuriated with me. Because I know I seem very unreasonable. But my point is this. If this virus, 90% of people who get it don't even feel sick, mm. right? And the mortality rate is 0.7%. I'm pretty sure the mortality rate for cancer, for diabetes, for getting hit by a car is way higher than 0.7% or 1%. But the rate right? of transmission is different. But the rate of transmission, again, the rate of transmission, how do we cal calculate the rate of transmission? Mm. Right? We've been saying the rate of transmission is there. But, you know, again, if, if we can call into question the RT-PCR test, which is what everything hinges on mm. to say whether someone is positive or negative, if we can call into question that, that piece of diagnostic equipment and discredit it, because it has been shown that it's, uh, up until August, 90% of the results are false positives. Yeah. Meaning people who actually don't have this genetic sequence that they're looking for, but are tested as positive. And because of that, we've inflated the number of cases. Mm -hmm. So my, I, that's why I guess there's a lot of conflict between uh, yourself and, my, and me and people in my position because mm. we don't agree on what the facts are. Yeah, exactly. We are focusing on different facts to basically come up with what what, what we think is the best solution. Have you heard of uh, Pascal's uh, wager? Uh, yes. I've heard of that. It's a, something about uh, if God exists. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. he basically makes the argument of like why you should believe in God. And he says like, Blaise Pascal was a mathematician. And he says sure. like, look, if there is no God, then whether you believe or don't believe in God, you don't lose out anything. Hmm. But if there is a God and you're an atheist, for sure. example, you lose out more. 
I understand. I understand the <laughs> argument. But to me, to me, it's very simple. Like whether I believe in God or I don't believe in God or whatever else, we can substitute God for any other word, right? Correct. Whether you believe it or not, it is up you, to. Actually, be fun. Let's exchange the words, right? So the what you would translate to with COVID, right? Um, um, if let's say COVID doesn't exist, uh, if you take the measures, don't take the measures. You you don't you don't. There's no one loses out. Okay. But if COVID does exist and you didn't take the measures, I understand. You will lose out. So this is this is my counterpoint, mm. right? If we don't take the measures, we will gain, Roshan. We will gain back our rights, mm. our freedom, our our rights to live as normal human beings, to live as dignified human beings, and not mm. be checked everywhere, mm. asked to check in everywhere, like as if, you know. I guess the the, the core reason why I rail against so much is because I feel like I'm being treated like cattle or sheep or children. Mm. Right at the end of the day, you know, I I see, I feel that you know, the grounding of my belief is that I believe I'm a sovereign being. Yeah. Right. Because I believe I'm a sovereign being, you know, and I believe that other people are sovereign beings as, as well. We shouldn't impose our will on other people and discredit their agency, which is what I feel is happening right now. Yeah. Our agency, our free will, is being is being completely taken off the table. We can't do it because if you do it, there will be jail or punishments or or, or whatever. I think that's very, very dangerous because look at what happened with the war on terror, yeah. right? And look at the, the language with this, this supposed war on virus as well. The language is, is, a, is a war-like language. Frontliners, perangi uh, war about COVID, you know, the war on the virus. It's the same thing that they did for me. Yeah, the same thing that they did for, for, for the war on terror. They convinced the, the entire world that there was an existential threat in the form of Islamic terrorists sure. and that we didn't, need to, we didn't need to go and bomb these people's countries to, to eliminate them because the ends justify the means, mm. right? And it has created a bigger problem than what it was meant to solve because now we have freaking ISIS and all these radical extremists who seem to have a cause in their, on their hands because they say, hey, this is what they did to us. This is the, the way we retaliate. But I guess with Malaysian history, it's a bit more trickier because I think we have had two situations mm. where Malaysians have given up a bit of their sovereignty mm. and it's turned out one, one scenario, I argue, turned out well. One, Which one? Uh, um, um, the emergency, uh, the Malayan. Uh, oh, emergency. Okay, bro, mm. your IC, bro. Mm. You realize when you have IC, you've given up a bit of your identity. The so, state is tracking you with your IC. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You but, know, but we don't question it, bro. Yeah, be, because <laughs> it's um, it's is the extent of it, Roshan. Now yeah, the state. Correct. I know, no, I, I, now agree, the state I agree. Says we can't agree, do this. We can't do that. No, but I, this, my point is, the my extent point is, is different. Yeah, yeah, definitely, I agree. My point is like with, uh, for example, the, the communists. Uh, uh, with the communists, the state had to deal with it. You, you, they were tracking people, putting citizens in compounds. That's where we have all our, you know, security guards. Yep. That whole system came out from the communist occupation, right? Yep. And the government took control. Mm. In fact, ISA comes from there, mm. right? They took control and they uh, sort of policed everyone. Mm -hmm. Threat was leveled things went back to normal. Good ending, right? But then, with, uh, with when it came to the reformacy generation, mm. when ISA was used in a draconian fashion, mm. then of course, we see how bad the state can become. Mm. You lock up anybody who protests or you lock up anybody who doesn't agree with you and you don't have... Checks and balances. You don't have checks and balances. Because at that, they're using emergency powers yep. to detain people and they don't go to court. They yep. don't have representation. Yep. So that is definitely damn bad. Yep. And I get what you're saying. You're saying that now the action being taken is not proportionate. 
it's 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 way too excessive. And I feel like there should be even if we want to resort to these measures, there should be a level of reluctance to it. Sure, definitely. There should there should be some level of you know. I'm very surprised that you know um, in the US there are there are senators and politicians who spoke out against the lockdown in Malaysia. I didn't. I didn't hear any politician, you know, calling out the fact that you know we are we are arresting kids, we are arresting uh, we are we are uh, arresting people for going to the markets and 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 basically fining them a thousand ringgit and all that. I don't hear any pushback. Like we should feel, how do I put it? We elected them as our representatives yeah. to protect our rights. Yeah. But the moment everything was taken away, how come there was no protest? No, obviously, I understand the context in which people are scared of a, of a virus that seems the, to be... And the context of even this discussion, the information is just so scattered. Yep. But I still believe that we have a very robust opposition. And just in a very selfish manner, they are always looking at a way sure. to get an upper hand. Sure. You know, these guys sure. are not bipartisan in any way. Sure. And I'm very confident in the selfishness of politicians <laughs> that they will look out for an opening to attack. And that's why I have confidence in the opposition to a certain extent. I, I, for me, I have no confidence in any of the politicians. That's just my, <laughs> that's just my position. Like for me, like to be to be perfectly frank, I don't care who sits on the throne. Yeah. I don't care who gets what, who wins. I have not. I have no stake in st- no stake in that. Mm. What I care about is that we have our rights back mm. and allowed to live our lives without being policed, without being tracked, without the government telling us if you do this, you're gonna get fined or go to jail. That to me. I feel like we shouldn't let the government speak to us in a language of force that way. Sure. Last thing I want to talk to you mm. about. Vaccines. Oh, perfect. <laughs> What's your thoughts? So the update now is in America. They've got two vaccines. Pfizer and Moderna. Yeah, Pfizer and Moderna. It's a mRNA type the of… Messenger uh, RNA, yep. Uh, magic. Yep. Um, the first of its kind ever in history. Yeah. Mm. And funding has come from uh, Bill Gates. Yep. Uh, for one of it, I don't think both. La. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I am distrustful of Big Pharma in general mm. because they have tend to make a lot of money from this and you know, um, the money for all these vaccines are going to be paid out from our, from our tax, tax coffers anyway, which is the money of the people. Mm. My position on vaccine is simple. Have it, don't have it, it should be up to the individual. Mm. The state shouldn't mandate it, mm. right? Shouldn't force people to have it or not have it. Mm. Um, you know, it should be down to the individual to decide whether they want it or not. And there should be no economic or legal repercussions of not taking the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Because as I've said earlier, healthcare is individual right. But surely you don't… Do you put any stake in this altered DNA, uh, microchipping? Oh, I, I see that coming. To be, to be perfect. No, with different. the vaccines. With the vaccines? Uh. Yeah, I, I, I see it as a gateway towards that. There's going to be a COVID pass probably next year for us to be able to have international travel. Yeah. You know, um, further down the line, you know, obviously you have to do your own research. And you might think I'm a cook for saying this, but I'll just say, you know, there's going to be probably vaccine tattoos to say whether you've had it or not. You know, how often have you had your shot? Mm. You know, and all, all this immunity pass is probably going to come true. Yeah, so my position on the vaccines, mm. uh, I'm cautious as well. Mm. I don't think a rush vaccine is the wisest thing. Yep. I do understand that they haven't they're still testing this thing out. I mean, they've shown that it helps with uh uh helps with actually even we don't even know the extent lah, because you could get vaccinated before and during you having COVID, mm. the reactions might be different. Mm. But it helps with deterring COVID. But the safety of the vaccine has not been tested yet. And that's still ongoing. Yeah. And you know what's the best part, Roshan? Mm. This 
type of mRNA vaccine has never been made in history, has never been administered. This sure. is the first time in history they're using this mRNA vaccine. So mm -hmm. you're going to have to do a bit of research to, to basically find out what's the difference between that and normal yeah. vaccines. It's, it's basically, I think it's it, something like with a normal vaccine, I mean, when we studied in science uh, class last mm -hmm. time, they would inject you with a particular virus and uh, a lower dosage and it would build up your immunity, your yep. antibodies, right? Yep. But this mRNA vaccine is... Uh, they're kind of injecting you with uh, the genetic code. Yes. So, so it's, it's not the actual uh, it's virus. It's going to alter your genetic code. No, it's not no. going to… No, no, no. That is not true. It's okay. not going to alter your genetic code because you sent a WhatsApp message uh, from a doctor who said that. But I checked that and that's completely not true. Sure. So uh, obviously… It when doesn't it, alter when your genetic When it comes to that, we're going to have to wait and see because we can all <laughs> assert our own positions on it. Yeah. It's, not, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a wait and see kind of situation. But all I'll say is this. You know, it is it, it takes a time frame, time frame of anywhere between 7 to 10 years to certify a vaccine to be safe. Yeah. And this was rushed within a year. What are the probabilities of this thing being safe? Number one. Mm. Number two, the huge financial interest behind pushing out these vaccines. Mm. If you can make it mandatory, how much money can you milk out of the entire human population? Mm. Right? So are we going to be naive and close our eyes and, and, and think that, oh… Um, the pharma companies, they're not motivated by financial gains at all. You know, they're definitely not going to skim on quality. They're definitely not going to cut on quality. They're going to make sure this is good for us. So, yeah, it has to do with trust, right? Because if it has to do with trust, then it has to be down to individuals. Yeah. Right? Because, but what I can say hmm. is, I really doubt that this is going to be a hurt like everyone is going to... I foresee a lot of people pushing back on the vaccines. I, I, I the think case. there is a trust deficit. Um, Definitely. Like crazy. Definitely. So I think there's going to be a lot of people looking at the vaccine and there's going to be a lot of scrutiny. As we should. As we, as should. we should. Because we should. We, you know, before we in, decide to inject something into our bodies, we probably will want to find out what exactly is in it, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Yep. We've eradicated, uh, what is it, polio? Yep. With vaccines. Yep. We have eradicated viruses with uh, vaccines. But we've also had a vaccine that has caused uh, a lot of uh, damage as well. If you if you research vaccine injury in India and what happened to the to the, yeah. to the Africa girls as well, there, I think Africa the Ebola well. Ebola vaccines caused a lot of uh, yeah. There devil. are people who have been permanently paralyzed and disabled by by vaccine injuries. So they've yeah. paid up up to four billion, if I'm not mistaken, for. But you know that, that's the that's the interesting question I do. Hmm. It's a minority of people. Minority. It's a percentage is small. Yeah. So oh. I turn your your whole. The whole oh, thing, right? I would say, I would say that the, the I, truth is that I don't know the people affected by vaccines. Like let's say even Ebola, it's like the adverse effects is always a minority, a smaller hmm. uh, number of people. Sure. So, in that case, then, the, for me, when it comes to that, it's going to be a, a battle of who has who, who has the facts, and the facts can be disputed. But all I'm saying is the facts aside, it should not be mandatory, right? People yeah. should be able to choose because. One, one, one aspect of, 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 of this whole thing is that, you know, there's a tendency to just call out someone, oh, you're anti-vaccine. There's so much negative stigma and labelling attached to that, to that term. Oh, someone who doesn't agree with the vaccine is an anti-vaccine. No, we're not anti-vaccine, yeah. right? It's not, that, it's not that we are against vaccine 100%. It's just that we're against this current thing that's happening right now because of the circumstances surrounding it and how we feel that it's dubious and it's suspicious. And, and another thing that I want to say is that vaccines like any other product, have different qualities. Sure. Right? They don't have the same quality all across the board. There are vaccines that are safe. There are vaccines that are harmful. Mm. And another thing I want to point out is, this is supposed to be a flu vaccine. Mm. Right? 
if you say flu vaccines work, how come people still have flu? I mean, that's a bit complicated, dude. Because even with this coronavirus, there's been mm. what, seven, type, seven strains and they all have been like flu-like, but they're not technically a flu per se. It's, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, to me, I see this whole thing as... It's dude, just, even chicken it's, pox. It's just a flu, dude. <laughs> to me, my, It's my... not just a flu. <laughs> it's not just a flu. Bro, if it's not just a flu, then how come 90% of people have no symptoms it, you know, it, and at it, best, they have mild symptoms? It, it, it's a flu in the sense that the it's a flu in the sense that it looks similar to a flu, but it's not a flu in the sense of the okay. the way it spreads, the speed it spreads, the asymptomatic part of it, and it's just generally very a very weird disease. So that's what <laughs> that's what a lot of these leading immunologists and virologists hmm. and epidemi epidem epidemiologists yep. say. Even if they don't agree with the measures, they can all say that this COVID thing exists. And it is a weird virus. Yeah, because coronaviruses do exist. Yeah, coronaviruses, coronaviruses have existed even before 2020, Roshan. It has yeah. always been around. Sure. It has always circulated. The seasonal flu is probably caused by coronaviruses, right? But my point is that we have never gone to this extent mm. to instate these measures for a flu, mm. right? A flu or a fever is… We understand at some level that it's a fact of life. You'll get a flu, you get a fever and you, you'll probably feel bad and probably you'll recover unless you have some other conditions that's probably going to screw you up even more. Yeah. But all I'm saying is that… No, but generally with a flu, you recover after. You know, but here there's weird kind of after effects. Okay, people what kind of… They, Roshan, 90% <laughs> of people who are tested positive, they don't have any symptoms. Yeah, but the ones who do get affected because there are cases of… Because it's a pulmonary sort of uh, infection, it hits your lungs first, right? Oh, okay. So there are people who don't recover after. There have been issues with… Uh, you know, even if you build up your antibodies, antibodies getting reinfected and you having like breathing issues. Like, I don't… Dude, even the common flu, mm. where do you have people going needing uh, respirators? Okay. People so, just passing out and you know, like weird stuff like that. Yeah, sure. So like the respirator bit, I have, I have, I have my reservations about that because when you when you try to put someone on respirator, it's already a traumatic thing that you're trying to do to them. So of course… You, no, but dude, like… You cannot deny there were people going to Sungai Buloh Hospital and they couldn't breathe. That must sure, be a fact. Sure, sure. You don't, that, I can't must, accept that they, they were breathing perfectly fine, yes. but they put them on respirators just okay. for fun. So cannot my, be what? Cannot be. I agree. But my, my next question would be, is it because of coronavirus? How do you know it's because of coronavirus? As far as it I… Could, could it be because of a something else that is misdiagnosed as coronavirus? Because we've gone through the death, the death yeah. facts earlier right, of these different, different cases. People have so many comorbidities and their average is above 70. Yeah. Right? How do you assign that cause of that? Because that to me is where the danger is. Yeah. Because not necessarily. Fatality is not the only danger. You could also have a type of handicapping kind of scenario. Like for example, mm. if you get COVID and you don't die, mm. but it affects, you don't return to normal. That's also dangerous. Okay. So now I would say that that's not entirely proven because as I mentioned to you, um, for your listeners who, mm. who… I'm just going to pick out an example that I'm familiar with. Mm. Like I mentioned, Mikel Arteta of Arsenal. He was diagnosed with coronavirus. He had mild flu symptoms. He said, I was fine. Yeah. But I have mild flu symptoms and he was fine. Yeah. He's, not, he's not permanently impaired or disabled because of it. So, what, all I'm saying is that we have to separate what is, what is an actual case facts from, from fear-mongering. Yeah. Right? So, at the end of the day, we can all dispute the, the set of facts that we choose to focus on, right? My point is that um, if it's just an argument, 
if it's just an argument, then it's it, it doesn't really it doesn't really affect anyone. But this is a matter of legislation, Roshan. Right? We our rights have been taken away and we're told that we cannot go back to the normal unless we take a vaccine. No, is, no one has said that. Oh, do uh, Bill Gates have said that. No, Malaysian, leaders, no, but the, Malaysian government. Yeah, but world leaders la. have said that. La. But all I'm saying is that why Bill I, Gates is not a world leader, to be fair. No, no, he's not. He's not a world leader. Exactly. He's not a world leader. He's not a public official person. Yeah. He's not even a doctor. Yeah. Right? He can't keep viruses away from Microsoft. Yeah. But we are listening to him for measures to manage coronavirus. Why? Mm. He's a computer guy. Mm. He's a tech guy. Why are we listening to a tech guy to solve a public health issue? Mm-mm. The reason is simple because he's got a lot of money invested in the entire thing Mm-mm. to me. So that's where I'm very distrustful of the entire thing. As I mentioned, if you look up Event 201, they simulated this a month before the outbreak in Wuhan. But what are e- the co- e- even Obama was talking about this, uh, this kind of uh, a similar situation like when he was in office. Sure. So if you look back in history, right? Because people were looking at this because things were popping up like H1N1. Yeah, H1N1 SARS. and SARS. So you look at what happened when uh, when the SARS outbreak, right? H1N1 SARS outbreak happened, right? I I I actually looked at some of the older videos, right? The messaging is the same, bro. Mm. It's the same messaging. Oh, wear a mask. You know, it's gonna kill you. Blah blah blah. The way the media plays up, plays it up, is the same way they're playing it up now. Mm. But right now, it's like times a hundred. Mm. And what happened to SARS? Uh, what happened to SARS and H1N1? It went away on its own. Mm. Right, that's the other arguments that, that 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 people make. People always make a reference to the Spanish flu and all this, all these other episodes, right? Yeah. But they eventually went away. Dude, you can't. Spanish flu kills so many people. Yeah, but bro, the, but the Spanish flu. The, bro, you the, want to pull out the numbers for the Spanish? No, I, no, we're I'm not, all the I'm not, Spanish flu is a yeah, bad example. I'm, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disputing that it killed a lot of people. What I'm saying is, what are the causes of it? Because there are multiple different narratives behind it. So the other narrative that's saying is Spanish flu outbreak is because of World War One, mm. of because they were in trenches, they were in unsanitary conditions, and the soldiers were given all kinds of shots and vaccines and and whatever, right? All well, I mean, of, this is this is speculation, right? This is an alternate version of what happened. So, you know, again, so you were not going to take me on my, my word unless you research it yeah, for yourself. Yeah, definitely. definitely. But all I'm saying is this, right? We're supposedly facing the most deadliest viral outbreak mm. that we've ever experienced in history mm. that we need to do all of these measures, right? Mm. If, if you say that without vaccines, we're all going to be wiped out or we're all going to be in, left in a worse con- condition than before, how come the human race has survived up to this point? We've prospered and thrived. Our human population is up to 7.2 billion and we've done it without vaccines. My point is human beings were not that easy no, to kill. but every time people had, communities had to take measures. If you look at the bubonic plague, I'm not saying that this is sure. similar to the bubonic plague. Sure. But it's not like the bubonic plague happened and then people just like, you know, r- rode it out. You, people had to measures had to be taken. Agreed. Measures had to be taken but to what extent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one we if can you want to look at the measures, you have to be proportionate. What is the mortality of, rate of this thing is lower than SARS, Ebola, than H1N1. It's less than 1%. Sure. So does this justify abusing our civil rights? Does this justify destroying our economies? Yeah. And there's going to be a great reset soon. This is the talk. You know, we always talk about it in terms of health but to me and uh, to friends that I'm close with, they talk about how, hey guys, this is not this is not so much of a public health crisis than it is an economic crisis. Yeah. What's uh, so going the, the, Sorry to interrupt, but mm. Spanish flu, right? Number of deaths, it's like fifty million. 
For sure, dude. I'm 50 not, million. I am not disputing the the the, ver- the word flu is there, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disputing the veracity or the seriousness of the Spanish flu. Yeah. All I'm saying is that we have to investigate further. What is the actual cause of it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I I just want to plug uh, another two things sure. One, uh, I I follow a guy called Brett Weinstein. Uh, mm. And he we're gonna wrap up soon. Sure. Sharon's in. <laughs> Chill, huh? you, you guys need to chat already, or what? Sharon, you need to go. Huh? Still okay, huh? Just give me another 15 minutes to sure. wrap it up. <laughs> we hit two hours, bro. We hit two hours? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect. Bro. I think this I can even talk even further on this. I know, bro. I so can. I so can, but I don't want to keep the girls uh, for, sure, for sure, for sure, for no, sure. So I follow a guy called Brett Weinstein, and mm. you know, even him, uh, because he became famous kind of responding to the woke liberal uh, campuses at the time. I don't know whether you know his story. You should read about him. Very nope. interesting guy. Uh, Evergreen Evergreen College. And so, so <laughs> my mom is down. <laughs> She's talking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe and, she can join us in the podcast yeah, as well. <laughs> she'll have interesting points of view as well. <laughs> and uh, um, what was I saying? Brett Weinstein. Brett Weinstein. So, he had, mm. I, even him, he questions how the virus came about. Mm. He says that looking at the way the virus is moving, the nature of the virus, he feels it's out from a lab. Oh, I believe that the same too. Yeah. So. And this guy's a legit guy, you know, mm. in the sense that he's a very intelligent dude. But even he says that we still, however the virus comes, mm. came about, mm. we should question it, but we still need to deal with it because the virus is here. Sure. You know? I don't disagree. Um, so even I, so I understand that there are a lot of nuances here. Mm. It's not as straightforward as we think. Um, and another thing is, um, there's another guy I want to recommend. Uh, he actually went on Joe Rogan. What was his name? Let me get it out for you. Nicholas Christakis. Okay. He's also similar. He was actually a, a, a Yale professor. Okay. It's quite funny. His wife, uh, Yale had released a memo. This mm. is about three, maybe two, three years ago. Mm. Uh, she had released a memo. Mm. Uh, to the students about… Uh, sorry, you will, Yale had released a memo to its students mm. about guidelines about what you wear, should wear for Halloween mm. as to not insult or hurt other people, right? Oh so, Nicholas Christakis' wife mm. is… Uh, she's a very popular professor. Mm. I, I think she's in childcare or something along those lines. Child mm. education or child psychology. And she said like… She sent a memo and she was like, do you really… Sending to the students, do you really want the university to be… Do you want the university to tell you what you can or can't wear? Even if like, not definitively, Mm. but do you need to be taught by the university? You guys are the cream, right? Mm. Cream of the crop. Mm. Yale University. Mm. Do you need to be told or taught by the university how to dress as to not insult other people? Mm. And she got so much of backlash. Mm. And her husband got so much of backlash because her husband stood by Mm. her. And there's a video, a one hour video of him standing at the court. These are not like, conservative people, you know. Mm. They are pretty progressive. Mm. And there are people just like, in these college kids are like, in their face saying, you're disgusting. Your face is disgusting. Uh, that's dumb. You know? That's uh, just really dumb. And you're racist. You will never understand what it means to be my race. And he's saying like, look, as much as we are different skin colors, but there's a common human experience. A human can always empathize with another human. Yep. You know, and he handled the whole situation very, very well. He was trying his best to communicate, have a conversation. Sure. He handled it. And he and his wife both resigned from here. Mm. They left, mm. right? Now this… So, m- the point is, this is someone mm. who is… I feel like his character, integrity mm. is there. Okay. You know? And even he has said 
he's strongly uh, for dealing with this COVID situation as a pandemic. Sure. He studied it. He's even released a book. And even he talks about the, the need to consider taking a vaccine. Sure. Right? And so, I just want to make I don't know, not make, but you need to also, I don't know whether you understand, bro. Mm. There are a lot of legit people. Dude, there are a lot of legit okay, people. So I, I, dude, I this is not all like a scam. Sure, no, no, I totally yeah. empathize with that point. Yeah. This is exactly what uh, my best friend, uh, Jeremy, <laughs> said to me as well, right? <laughs> he said that, you know, I asked him, what else do I need to show you for you to, to, to see that this thing is suspicious or dubious? He tells me the same thing. The people that I respect on the left, the, the people that he uh, follows, they, they are not calling this out. They view this as serious as well. Which is kind of the same point that you're making. The people that you look up to, the people that you consider as uh, having integrity and intelligent, yeah. they, they say that, hey, we need to take this seriously and, and deal with it. My point is that I am not calling into question their integrity or their intelligence at all. Mm. I'm saying that the truth of the actual matter does not depend on their opinion of it. Mm. Right? They can be intelligent and, and, and full of integrity and we can all respect that but they can still be wrong. Mm. They can still be completely wrong about this because the data has shown us that it's nowhere near to the level of fear-mongering that they were projecting us to be. Mm. Right? So, and then there's a lot of, a couple of co contradictions that I do want to point out um, um, as well. Like, on, for example, on the use of, on the use of face masks, right? Um, we, we have, we are still, in the mainstream consciousness, we are sitting that it works. It works. It works. Why? Because we've been told that it works. Mm. But again, there's, there's another perspective that says that, hey, viruses are in nanomicrons. Mm. The pores on your mask are in microns. Yeah, but it travels through droplets. Yeah, it, tra it travels through droplets. And droplets can be blocked. Of course, uh, how much can be blocked is debatable. Uh, yes. But it is a type of barrier. You know, it is definitely a type of barrier. Oh. Dude, there are, there's so much of... This one, I can say, there's a lot of reports that say, at the very least, masks do help. Do, they help. Do you know that a couple of days ago, uh, there, was a, there was a study in Denmark that basically said that masks had no effect at all and mm. it, was not, it, it wasn't given the mainstream highlight that, mm. that it should be. But all I'm saying is that the literature on this is contested. right? It's, it's highly contested because the, the analogy given is this. If you say that masks work, you, as if you're saying that um, the analogy is you are fencing your house to prevent mosquitoes from coming in. Because the pores mm. of the mass is bigger than the, the, the virus particles. Virus particles are, are so small, mm. so it can still pass through. So to me, mass is just to help people have an illusion of security. Yeah, me. so I would push back on that. I think for me, you can read WHO, CDC. There are a lot of big uh, studies that show that there is, it helps. La. You so, can argue that it's not like 90% effective, 80% effective, but it definitely does help. La. And again, if you're not going to do a lockdown, we need to be responsible in any case because you want to keep the transmission rate low. Just because, at the very least, dude, just because you don't want to overwork healthcare professionals. Sure, I, I understand that point. But again, it comes to, the, comes to the earlier point that we talked about. I'm questioning the veracity of the numbers themselves. Mm -hmm. The veracity of the, pot, the, the test kit, the diagnostic tool, the PCR test themselves. Mm -hmm. Because if a New York Times publication can say that 90% of it is false positive, then we should have ample grounds to suspect this. Right? How much money are they making from each test? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm. So this, the, the financial in incentive in this is, is huge. And the, the video that I sent to our WhatsApp group was basically of, uh, of a chairman uh, and a CEO of a company that's in charge of the, uh, of the testing itself. 
calling it out, saying that, hey, this thing is completely bogus. Lockdown should stop tomorrow because the more that we keep on testing, obviously we'll find more positives because we keep on cycling the, the amplification up to see the positive grades. So my, my point is that I'm calling to question the task kit itself and the numbers themselves and the way deaths are being assigned. Mm. So if I cannot trust those things, obviously all the measures and all the, all the arguments that you've put forth, which I understand, mm. I, I can't really, I, it doesn't really get through to me. But for me, okay, mm. I, I think we, we've covered a lot of things, dude. Yep. Um, I think we've covered the legitimacy of COVID. We've spoken about the lockdown, the measures taken, the lockdown, face masks, social distancing. Yep. Uh, we've spoken about the role of state, vaccines. Yep. A lot of things we've covered. Yep. Um, we can do maybe um, final thoughts, I suppose. Mm. Um, what, do you wanna, what message you want to put out there? Lah? All right, mm-hmm. man. Mm. So I guess what, what I'm trying to say is… Um, First and foremost, we should question what we're being told on a critical level um, because, because there's so much at stake here. Mm. There's too much at stake here. Our civil liberties, our rights, our freedom to move, um, you know, even to the extent of the, the autonomy, sovereignty that we have over our own bodies. If they make vaccines mandatory or they make life difficult for people who don't want to take vaccines, probably uh, exclude them from employment or, or whatever, what are we going to do then? Mm. It's a very dangerous situation. What if the vaccines turn out to be something quite nefarious, right? Or something, if it's not, if not nefarious, harmful. Mm. We should look at this closely. We should be very critical about it. We should look at who stands to gain from all of this. And also another aspect is that we should, whether we want to take the vaccine or not, we should stand up for the right to choose. Mm-hmm. Right? That To me, that's very important, right? So, you know... Um, it can be it can be that I'm completely wrong, that I'm completely deluded, I'm just a conspiracy theorist, that's fine. I can be completely wrong about everything that I've said, and that's fine. But we should still reserve the right to choose. Sure. Um, okay, I have three points. <laughs> I hope you sure. don't mind me uh, sure, of course. saying these three points. First thing is, I think I agree with you on the civil liberties issue. Mm. But the pragmatic approach for me would be to just make sure that we have a working, at least in Malaysia, Mm. we have a working judiciary Mm. and we have a working parliament. And I think every individual should be very careful and look out for this. If if there's a moment they shut down the courts, they shut down the parliament, then you need to be legitimately worried and you need to stop the government from from closing those uh, avenues. Avenues down. down. I understand that. Barring that, Mm. I would put forward that your civil liberties are protected. Even if it looks very scary and draconian, it can be stopped by parliament. It can be stopped by the judiciary. But but that's not what's been happening, Roshan. We've been because as of now people have been pulled over for not wearing masks. But that's for, because for of, of the, uh, for all of that. But that's because of the misinformation. So as of now, the judiciary and the hmm. parliament are on board with the executive. Sure. Right? They think that based on the information, hmm. harsh measures are necessary. Okay. This is debatable. But my point is, as long as these organs are working, there is check and balance, especially with the legislative. So that's the civil liberties issue. Hmm. On the legitimacy of uh, COVID, me personally, I feel again, pragmatically, everyone just needs to uh, be more uh, socially aware and responsible. I would just say like, err on the side of caution. Sure. You know, why not err on the side of caution? What's the harm in… The harm… Uh, this is why I… You're, see, you're, the, the harm is in the removal of our rights and but us not coming back to where we were. But that would be curtailed if 
we have a working parliament and judiciary. That's my point. If we have a working parliament, that's why I would go on the streets if parliament and if an emergency was declared. Okay. So for me, as long as we have a working parliament, as long as we have a working judiciary, we have protections in terms of our civil liberties. If we have protections in terms of our civil liberties, then we can have the benefit of erring on the side of caution, just wearing the mask, just being uh, doing your social distancing, no lockdown. You know, because even dude, the elderly, mm. you'd have to enforce some sort of uh, uh, lockdown on that. You would have to force them to isolate, you know. Their civil liberties will definitely have to be curtailed. I, I, I don't agree with that. Like for mm. me, like I said, whether, so we come back to my initial position. I said, health mm. is individual right. No. The, the state shouldn't be able to intervene to tell you what you should take, what medicine you should take. If it's affecting another person, then they definitely have a I, right to, I understand to that, intervene. Which is why I dispute that. I, I dispute yeah, that. Yeah, you, you, you dispute the legitimacy of yes. COVID as a whole. Okay, okay, fair enough. But again, so for the second point, I feel, mm. oh, on the side of caution, no harm. As of now, that's what I see. Sure. Uh, third, on a more broader view, and just to sum up and end this, I want to say, um, I think I want to apologize to you as well. Because I think I could have been, you know, I'm a big proponent and I talk a lot about us being able to talk to different people, have solid conversations and not feel personal about it. Yeah, sure. And not take things too… None taken, bro. Like, yeah, appreciate not, it a lot. Yeah, not taking things too personally but being able to have civil dialogues, I think it's frustrating for a lot of people because we don't have the time to do the research, to have yeah, a conversation. Yeah, of course, of course. And the, 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 the facts surrounding it is so charged, right? There's yeah. so much at stake, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah. we're looking at different dangers, right? So yeah. obviously it will get heated. But yeah. for me, I feel like we need to have that difficult conversation, yeah. right? So yeah. that we can… Come to some measure of truth. La. Yes. Even if people think that it leads to nowhere. No, it does lead somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's very important to have these conversations and um, yeah, thank you for highlighting these things. Uh, I definitely don't think we should discount people who have different opinions. For sure. If anything, it forces us to be more diligent. Yep. It forces it forced me to do all the reading I did. Yep. Right? It forces us to find out where the truth is, right? Because yeah. like, you know, if we're just discussing or getting it out into an argument just to prove who's right, that's not very productive, right? We want to get something out of it. Yeah. Right? Some kind of truth that we want to distill. Sure. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, Cheers, it was a good conversation. <laughs> we can probably have this conversation longer. Man. There's a lot <laughs> more things that I want to talk about. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, all, all I'm saying is that like uh, for listeners out there, if you feel that there's something off the, the entire thing, I would say trust your instinct, research it. Um, there, there shouldn't be any monopoly on, on the truth by one side or the other. You know, um, uh, you know, just be careful what they're telling us in the media because it's leading us to somewhere which I think is quite dangerous. And if you at the end of the whole process, find out that, you know, that you don't believe what they're telling you, the best way to resist is to have non-violent disobedience. To mm. me, that's the only way forward. Because you, you can look at what the situation is happening all across the world right now. There, there are protests, anti-lockdown protests happening in, in, in the UK, in, in, in Germany. In mm. Germany especially, there's a lot of protests going on. Because they've been through fascism, they know what it looks like. Yeah. Right? But again, it's a tricky balance. La. Like, um, but anyway, it's... Um, it's funny because you could argue that the mm. 
reason why Korea or Taiwan has been so effective in dealing with this is because, because of, of their the, authoritarian society <laughs> yeah. or whatever. It's a weird kind of… You yeah, know. That, so, so that's exactly where I feel the danger is because yeah. right now there's a justification for authoritarianism, for mm. more control, for more centralized power, mm. for, you know, uh, for reducing of uh, civil liberties because, hey, there's an existential threat. We need to do everything we need yeah. to do to, to avoid it. So that is where I feel the danger is. Sure. Mm. I think that's a good way to end things. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Had a good time. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to fact check uh, this episode. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. Hope you have a great week ahead. Thank you, Mr. Alif Malik. Thank you, Roshan. And cheers to everyone. <laughs> okay, we are done. Yeah. Sensei. Sensei.